I almost shit my pants twice today. Nice. Oh, that's epic. Yep. Like at work or or just like you're sitting there and you're like, I went to Walmart after work to get oil for my Jeep. I almost shit my pants there. There's a place to shit your pants. Yeah, and then I did it right place. I went home. I thought I was a fart, gambled on it. I didn't shit my pants though, but you know. Moral of the story is I made it. Well <laughs> It doesn't well, sound like you made it. <laughs> well it sounds like it's like you're getting to that stage where I am in my life, because I'm in my forties now. And obviously I have to if I gamble like that, I do have to be make sure I'm close to home. Very close to home, as in in the flat near the toilet. Because I can never tell what's going to fucking happen. Am I going to shut or am I going to fucking... So your body is like a Game of Thrones episode. It is pretty much, yeah. Yeah, right. You, know, you don't know who's going to survive. Yeah, well, I know. So wow. I will just also point out that this is my first podcast as a 43-year-old. Yeah. Oh, I thought your birthday was tomorrow, Shane. It is well, tomorrow t- over there. For you, it's tomorrow now. Oh well, I, oh that's true. I was gonna say I was gonna save it till the end of the episode, but happy birthday, Shane! Oh, thank you very much. Run your birthday podcast. Yes, and it's gonna be a good one. Yes, as it will. It'll be all right. Yeah. Well, let's let's get it started now that we've got all the shitting your pants talk out of the way. Mm-hmm. Welcome to All You Need Is Blood, the UHM Horror Podcast, with your hosts, Ryan, Shane, and Mike. Uh, Welcome to All You Need Is Blood. This is episode number 29. We're the official podcast of UpcomingHorrorMovies.com. You can hit us up at our uhmpod at gmail.com address. I'm your host, Ryan Tudelo, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Mike Whittemore and Shane Smith. Gentlemen, how clean are your undies? Not. I'm not wearing any. Winner. That's one and a half. Now we know. (laughs) Well, awesome. So, uh, so yeah, we, we, this is a bit of a change of pace. We had a, an episode planned we were going to do. We are going to do our serial killer episode, which is going to be awesome. Uh, but then we had a last-minute tragedy uh, to the planet Earth as we lost the great, the amazing George A. Romero. So the Serial Killers podcast is essentially put on hold on ice, and uh, we're going to do a little bit of Romero talk. How do you boys feel about that? I'm happy with that. Sounds good. And as I like to do, um, I feel like uh, uh, mourning is the wrong thing to do. What we should be doing is celebrating uh, his life, his achievements, his movies, and the impact he's had on everyone. So I think that's the healthier way to go about it. Hey, it can't be sad. No, he made a lot of good movies. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you could be sad that you're not going to get any more, possibly, but, uh, you know, you can. Uh, we can look back and see the greatness that he's done. So, uh, but before we get there, I don't know if you guys, did you have anything uh, you wanted to talk about on uh, what you've been doing, what's going on, anything you've been watching, listening to, reading? Well, I've been, uh, I just got back from Chicago Open Air, three-day metal festival, had a lot of bands, had a lot of shitty food, 
there was free monster there and uh oh my god free monster yeah well they have like a monster area and you could just go in there and you just literally they just give you monster so i had eight monsters over three days jesus Christ. no wonder you were shitting your pants i know see that's the problem because i don't drink sugar anymore but you know i did this weekend and then they had uh sh- kuma's corner it's a uh, local chicago restaurant they have the best burgers i've ever eaten in my life best mac and mm. cheese i've ever eaten in my life and it's uh, it's a metal themed restaurant and they just opened up i think there's like four locations now but oh, uh, i think i've seen that place on food network before. yeah it was it's like voted like illinois best burger but uh yeah they were there they had a little stand there i ate there twice and it was <laughs> it's oh man it was it was a lot of fun but I am going to be 30 next year, and I just realized that these three-day fests have taken everything out of me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember I remember when I came to that realization. Yeah, it was like a couple of years ago, I could do it, no problem. Go to work the next day, no problem. But I was like, my buddy and I were just looking at each other like, man, we're fucking old. <laughs> yep, that hits. That definitely <laughs> hits. I guess when you're old, speaking, you, uh, you have shit in your throat all day. Yeah, speaking of old fucks, Shane, uh, what have you been up to lately? Being an old fuck? Um, <laughs> yesterday, I didn't actually witness it, but yesterday I went out to lunch with some friends, um, went out for pizza and stuff. And in transit, I got told that there had been a car um, crash uh, right opposite my friend's flat. And on closer inspection, when we got there, he said to me, oh, yeah, the car is still there. And I looked at the road, and basically somebody had plowed that car through a brick wall, taken out this garden path or this garden wall, completely demolished it, and took a chunk out of the brickwork of the both both of the houses um, oh, Jesus. on either side of it. And the car ended up on its side. And basically, I stood there... Uh. Excuse me. Yeah, and uh, I basically I stood there and took a took a picture of it and Instagrammed that motherfucker as you always do. And um, yeah, I had two cops behind me and one walking towards me with intent, um, looking like I'm going to fucking nick you if you don't put your your phone away. And I just stood there with a big cheesy grin, took this photo, and then went back to my friends where we had homemade pizza and played. Um, various online games which resulted in lots of talk of um, like dildos for some reason. Um, and what kind of games are you playing? Double ended dildos? Wait, wait, hold on, yeah, actually, double yeah, ended? Actually, yeah, actually, Mike, it was okay. double enders. It all was right, good. <laughs> and what was really funny, it was all because I deleted a tweet that I posted, I replied to a tweet in October of last year where somebody had posted up a couple of pictures of, like, the gummy worms, like the sugar-coated gummy worms. And all it was, I just commented, the one on the left looks like a double-ender. Understand. Yeah, (laughs) and basically, this tweet has been accumulating likes, retweets, and comments on it over the last few months. Well, all good and well, you say. You know, there was, like, maybe two comments on it, and that was dating from last year. Yesterday, it accumulated 67, twi- 67 replies, what the fuck? an additional 72 likes, and an additional 15 retweets. And I was like, fuck this shit, I'm deleting it, because it, it was just filling up Aww. my notifications. 
Shane, you're going viral, and you cut it right off. Yeah, nip it in the fucking bud. That was. But enough. it makes you think, like, what if double-ended dildos were made of a gummy worm-like substance where you could eat it when you were done? Uh, I feel like I've seen that video. <laughs> I, uh, feel, I feel so... I just made it up, so... Oh. Yeah. Hey, Shane, uh, do you have, like, similar, like, cell phone laws over there where you could, like, record stuff in front of the police and they just, like, legally can't do anything about it? Yeah. Because the way you made it seem is, like, the cop is going to, like, beat the hell out of you and take your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose in, in one aspect, it's kind of good that our coppers over here don't actually carry guns. Do they carry yeah. batons? Uh, they do carry the batons, or as they like to call them, they're nightsticks. Um... But yeah, this reminds um, me of John C. Riley and Gangs of New York for some reason. I have no idea why. Gangs of New York? <laughs> I don't know. Gangs of New. Oh John C. Riley was in Gangs of New York. I don't yeah. Know. I can't. Oh, it's been so long since I've watched it. I can't fucking remember. Yeah, all I remember is Daniel Day Lewis's amazing mustache. Well, yeah. John C. Riley's in it, and he's a copper, and he's—I think he's got like a little stick that he holds. So, this is off to a good start. Yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. So Shane was watching car accidents, and uh, Mike was going to concerts and eating burgers and drinking Monster. I paid so fourteen dollars for a beer. So that four, sounds about right. 14, so you got a discount. Fourteen, fourteen dollars for a Modelo beer. Ooh, nothing but the best. Negro or Classico. Okay, listen, it doesn't have to get racial, Ryan. <laughs> oh, it was it was it was a white can. I I, I logged it in my untapped. Oh really? Serva uh Grupo Modelo Lager. Modelo Especial. Oh the Especial. Yeah that. So Classic. Yeah, you know, that was fourteen dollars. Yeah, no, that's about right for concert price on beer. A lot of the girls but came it's... up to me, they're like, Is that a Modelo? I'm like, listen, you need to get away from me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't deal with chicks. I don't deal with trash like you. I'm drinking a Modelo. Now let's go sit on the lawn and watch Stone Sour. No, I fell asleep during Stone Sour. <laughs> I love Stone Sour. I will oh. I will not apologize either. I fucking love it. You're such a bother. Yeah, that's right. Give me some give me some slow Corey Taylor, baby. What I like is that the last two Stone Sour albums were actually heavier than the last two Slipknot albums. I, I like like the first Stone Sour album. So, but I fell asleep during yesterday. Yeah, they got some good stuff. So yeah, I uh, I don't know. I've been doing. I've been watching. I was watching some of those serial killer movies, but I hadn't really gotten too much done on them. And then I was watching Castlevania. Right? Oh, it's so the good. Netflix show. Okay, so. I'm watching Castlevania. I'm in the middle of episode three, right? Things are moving along. And then I fucking check my Twitter and George Romero died. And I'm like, well, I'm not watching this anymore. Now I'm watching George Romero movies for the rest of the fucking weekend. So I never got a chance to finish up Castlevania. I only made it to that episode three. Now you're only one episode away from it being over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, I, I sort of, like episode two is kind of a waste. It it didn't have episode one was amazing. Oh my god, it was a fucking great episode. Amazing, like mind-blowingly good. Um, yeah, two is a bit of a downer, and three, three was looking on its way up. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of all I've been doing recently. I had a couple. I watched. What did I watch? I watched this movie called Killing Ground, 
I wrote a review for it. It should be up on the main page when this, uh, on, on the upcoming horror movies main page when this um, podcast goes out. It wasn't that great. Uh, you can read my review, but it's an Australian movie. And like every Australian movie, if you go out into the wilderness in Australia and you meet a hillbilly like at the local country store, he's definitely going to kill you. Like that, that seems to happen in every movie. So don't make friends with any Australian hillbilly. Or They'll pigs. Take you out in the woods. And, like in Razorback. Or pigs. Like Razorback. Very true. <laughs> um, I don't know. The movie was okay. Uh, I've, I've seen worse, but it's kind of in that, the range of like bland movies that you just like, if it was worse, it would be better. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it just got that sort of like, meh, it's all right. You know, it's not offensive. It's not. But it's not great either. It's just, it is what it is. So, so but anyway, now no one needs to read the review. No, my review is much more in depth <laughs> and, uh, and and not as blathering as I just let out there. So, but yeah, that's what I've had going on. Um, but before we get into the Romero discussion, I've actually got a surprise that I thought of um, before we started recording this. Um, we're going to announce our first All You Need Is Blood giveaway contest. What? And that's right. We haven't done this before. And up for grabs is a set of the original George Romero Dead trilogy. That's 1968's The Night of the Living Dead, 78's Dawn of the Dead, and 85's Day of the Dead. Uh, these are all DVDs. They're all separate. And you have a chance to win them. All you have to do is send an email to uhmpod at gmail.com with the subject line Romero DVDs and uh, tell us what your favorite Romero film is. It doesn't have to be a zombie film. It can be any of his movies. Just let us know what film and why. And um, I'm going on vacation next week. But when I come back, we'll pick a winner and I will send that winner three DVDs. And that's it. Oh, also Continental US only, please. I love all my international friends, but I can't fucking afford to send you assholes DVDs all the time. <laughs> it's too expensive now. <laughs> it's crazy to send stuff over to the UK now. It's gotten nuts. Yeah, I, like tried the last sending, th- I tried sending Shane something, and it, it would cost me over $100 to send, in like, the, two In the last things. three years, it's skyrocketed. I don't know what happened that changed the... Uh, it, it used to be, like, 10 bucks, not even. And it's crazy now. But anyway, so, yeah, uh, if you're in the continental U.S., um, send us an email to uhmpod at gmail.com and uh, put in for uh, some free movies. Who doesn't actually, want free movies? Actually, that reminds me. I've got to send your shirts this week. Ooh. That'll be good, too. And, Mike, you get the added bonus of having a copy of Dead Set. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I just, what did I see? I think that that either just got re-released or I think now that might be available on Netflix. Really? I just yeah I, I I swear I saw it pop up somewhere. Maybe it was on Amazon Prime. Um, like you know they give you all your recommended shit, and of course yeah. that came up in my recommended list somewhere. Yeah, I think I think I saw it on some streaming service. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, that sets awesome. Yeah, I'll get those sent out to you guys this weekend. Um, cool. So expect them. I would imagine you'll probably get it when you get back from vacation or something, Ryan. Yeah, I'll be. I'm actually going to the Scares That Care Horror Convention this um, this weekend, um, which is going to be awesome. I'm super excited for it. 
bunch of great people are going down. Some podcast regulars that have been on. Yeah. Uh, Amy. Yep. Amy's going to be there from um, Blood, Guts, and Social Commentary. Sweet. And uh, I just found out this week Matt Blazy's also going down, so <laughs> I'm going to get to see cool. him, too. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. That's pretty exciting. To, you'll have to get some pics with those guys. That'd be nice. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Have a beer with Matt and... Um, yep. Drink something non-alcoholic with Amy because she doesn't. Drink oh no, them. she she already agreed that she's going to have an alcoholic beverage in honor of George. Good girl. That's what we yep, they're, se- they're selling a special um, a mixed drink, uh, a zombie, at the upstairs bar at the convention, and she's agreed to have one uh, mm. <laughs> in a toast to George. So cool. That's good. It's going to be going to be a good weekend. Yeah. But yeah, so um, let's get into some Romero talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounded almost like a growl. That's my death metal voice I've been working on. <laughs> Too much concert. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, uh George Romero, uh born February 4th, 1940 and died July 16th, 2017. Uh just for the record, we're recording this the next day on the 17th. And uh, hopefully I will get this episode out relatively quick. I actually want to get it out before vacation, so I'm going to be busy the next day or so. Um, so, yeah, um, he's a pillar of the horror community. He's the godfather of all zombie films and maybe one of the most influential filmmakers to ever walk the earth. Um, he's going to be greatly missed by everyone from any type of movie fans. And if you are interested in any zombie anything that you watch, like uh, Walking Dead or iZombie or any of those other TV shows and everything, none of those would exist without George Romero. And it's it's that's not even like a uh, you know a similar oh not a similar a, a, a metaphor or anything. That's it's just a fact. None it of is, those would exist without George. That Romero. That is fact. Thanks to George Romero. So, if you like shooting Nazi zombies and you're latest call of duty game you can thank george um yeah he's just he, the guy's a legend and he gets uh he gets a ton of recognition and praise i read a few of his obituaries that went out and pretty much every one of them uh or at least more the you know the entertainment oriented ones um were focused sort of on his zombie film um repertoire and i feel that his non-zombie movies also hold up just as well and are just as important to him. Now, I know what you guys are all thinking, right? We covered the Romero movies in like two or three episodes already, and we already talked about all the zombie movies. And to that, all I have to say is, I'm running this monkey farm now, Frankenstein, and we're going to talk what I want to talk. So we're going to talk all Romero, everything's open, zombies, non-zombies, Horror and non-horror, which he's done it with a couple, um, we're going to go into them. So um, so what do you guys think? Is there? Do you, how do you want to do this? Do you want to just sort of go in the order of his movies, or do you want to uh, pick out specific ones? I know, Mike, you haven't gotten a chance to let your voice be heard on the Romero zombie films at all. Um, I, 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 I don't know if you wanted to go over some of those yet, or did yeah, you want to I mean, just start I, at the beginning? I could, let's, I Mike, could. let's have Mike take the floor for this one. I'll do the zombie movies. I'm not an expert on his non-zombie films, although Monkey Shines is, is the pinnacle of filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> do not talk trash about no, Monkey I, Shines. No, I, I love, love Monkey Shines. Shines. That, that movie's hilarious. And it's, it's, it's so good. But for the uh, the zombie films, 
Um, you know, I, Night of the Living Dead is a great film. It came out in 1968. But the more I find that, that I watch it, the more dated it a little gets mm-hmm. to me, in my opinion. But uh, it's it's still like a movie where you can't really bash it. You have to like give all the respect that you can to it. Uh, you know, there's a couple scenes where it's obvious like they're eating like chicken or whatever. But um, it's it's still a great film nonetheless. It inspired everything that we know right now about zombies, and it can be a little dated. But I think that he upped himself with Dawn of the Dead um, about ten years later, and. I think that's where the the current zombie films that we have right now, that's what we could give credit to. Um, The makeup can look a little goofy at times, and the acting, you know, is not the best, but it's still a phenomenal film. Mm -hmm. Um, Day of the Dead, for me, is the best makeup effects in all of his his films because of Tom Savini. Um, Maybe in all of film, arguable. Oh, yeah. I I put Day of the Dead against The Thing. And while the thing has got better, you know, crazier effects, because you got, like, the alien fucking legs and all kinds of weird shit, and Day of the Dead is really just zombies, more traditional gore effects, the gore effects are top-notch. Right, and I think that's the best part of the film. I Like, when that one zombie leans over and all his guts fall out, that is beautiful. Just absolutely. That's amazing. And he leans up on the table. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, the movie is great with gore effects. I think it has some pacing issues, but uh, that's besides the point um diary of the dead i enjoyed to a certain extent i thought it was actually a really good found footage film um land of the dead i could never get into i just thought it was a little too goofy i hate john leguizamo oh man i love john leguizamo on that (laughs) i think it's a little i think the character is a little uh uh, don't know the word for it, but that's just, I don't know. I don't like the characters too much of it. And Survival of the Dead's garbage, in my opinion. But those are my, my zombie film rankings. I would probably rank Dawn of the Dead's the best and Day of the Dead's mm-hmm. second best. Night Living Dead, I would go Diary, uh, Land, and Survival. Now, see, I'm actually surprised that you put uh, Diary ahead of Land. I, um, I enjoyed just... Diary for what it was for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember really liking Diary when it came out, and then, like, I watched it recently, I think for the last time we covered these movies, and, man, I I did not like it. I was like, fuck, this this did not hold up <laughs> I mean, to I what I remembered. It, it was like a kick in the gut, because I'm like, I remember this, it was good, and blah, 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 and then I watch it now, and I'm like, oh, my God, no. Why did I like this? <clears throat> yeah, I'm the same, actually. I mean, I hated Diary, and I hated um, Survival. But, yeah, um, I think Survival. Survival's definitely... I think that's George's worst film. Agreed. Um, uh, of all the ones that I've seen. <clears throat> and, you know, it, it, it sucks to even say that, uh, you know, when you're talking about him as a filmmaker, because that was sort of the last Romero film we got. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but at the same I mean, time, that's you sort of be, the way it goes. You gotta be honest, though, you know? Yeah, yeah right, yeah. Well, I think, um, for me, I loved Land of the Dead. Um, I... I thought that was a superb piece of work. And for me, because it was obviously it was 20 years after Day of the Dead and him coming back to the big screen with that and, you know, just showing the young upstarts how filmmaking is done, you know, when it comes to zombies and him coming back with a bang, if you see what I mean, you know, him just saying, right, this is how it's done. Fast, yeah. Faster zombies suck. And, you know, 
this is what it's meant to be like. This is how you do zombies. And he did a fantastic job. And I, uh, I thought the script was really good. Um, and uh, Dennis, um, oh, um, what's his fucking name? Harper. Yeah, Dennis Harper. I thought he was brilliant in it. Fucking amazing. I think yeah. he was the best part of the film myself. Well, what made me laugh is like obviously reading, uh, reading up about um, like Dennis Hopper in the film, and George Romero went on record and said that how can you not have a film and not allow Dennis Hopper to pick his nose while he's like <laughs> talking, and then not and cutting it out of the fucking the final edit, which I thought was hilarious. So you know you've got to you've got to give it to Romero for doing that, and it has to be said it's one of those things where you can just sit there, watch it, and I do laugh every time I see Dennis Hopper picking his nose and him just saying "zombies, man, they creep me out." So it's I just thought it was a, a piece of genius on George's part for that. Yeah, I like Land too. I actually, I like Leguizamo. I, I think I even mentioned the last time that my biggest um, negative in Land is actually the main character. I just did not give a shit about that guy, and I don't, I don't think he was able to sort of go toe to toe with even Leguizamo or yeah, right. uh, or uh, um, uh, Dennis Hopper or even you know uh, what's her face that's in it. Um, Aja Argento. Aja, yeah, Aja Argento. Um, I, I just don't think he was able to mesh with the rest of the cast in that movie. Yeah. Uh, so it, that, that, that's, that's a ba- bit of a negative. Yeah. Simon Baker, wasn't it? Hmm. But I really liked the rest of it. I sort of like the whole setup of everything. And I, I think that that continues, um, one of George's ongoing trends, which is social commentary. Yeah. And I think that one's a big one. That's a, it's a big commentary on capitalism and, you know, the, uh, the society of haves and have nots and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, how we treat secondhand people and the sort of, the degradation of the way that these zombies are treated goes along with the way that, um, society treats people they look down upon, whether it be for, you know, for race or for uh, social standing or for whatever. Um, and I, and I think that's, that's one of his movies that does have a great commentary on it. Mm. Many of his movies have great commentaries as, as I said, as a theme that goes through. But um, no, not only that, I mean, he's also really good for doing pivotal scenes in movies. Um, for me, I mean, going, going to land of the dead, there's one scene that really does successfully creep me out every time it's what I watch it. And that's when the zombies are rising out of the water before they walk in at Fiddler's Green. Oh, that is a beautiful shot, yeah. It is. I mean, it's like there's some great scenes in all of his films, but that film, that scene for me, I thought was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. And Mm -hmm. that's because I think at the time, Pirates of the Caribbean had just come out. And George Romero had actually gone on record at one point and said that there was going to be a scene in the film that they were going to film where you see the zombies walking underwater and then he saw the scene for, he watched Pirates of the Caribbean and went, no, I can't do that without being accused of being ripping it off. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah. plus Pirates of the Caribbean is like $40 billion behind it. And yeah. Romero probably had like a, you know, a tin can and some peanuts. See, I think land of the dead that probably had the biggest budget out of the lot though. Didn't it? Oh, um, cause that was a fairly big budget movie. Yeah. You're probably right. That was probably his biggest budget movie he's ever done. Yeah. But it was definitely worth that. I think the oh, budget was fifteen million. 
Mm-hmm. So, Which sounds ridiculously low, but for yeah. George Romero, that is ridiculously high. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's one another one of his mainstays, is that everything that he makes is um, extremely inexpensive and low budget, and he, he uses every penny that he has to yeah. really, to, to like, give you the best movie out of the, uh, for the bang for your buck that you could get. I mean, when you think about Night of the Living Dead, that was, like, thousands of dollars, like, I don't know how much how much he had raised, but I know it was like a really small amount of money. Yeah. And despite him not making any money on the project because of a copyright issue, um, that movie grossed, you know, I'm sure billions for somebody. Somebody's super rich out yeah. there because of it. Or at least it's spread out amongst people. Um, but but yeah, for being such a low-budget movie like that, and he continues that with every movie that he does. He really u- utilizes the budget that he gets. And, and puts out a great movie. And again, I, I think that he should be commended for not only just cranking out movies, I mean, but for cranking out movies that he has something to say in just about every movie and that they're pretty much all entertaining. I mean, if you look at, you know, there's people out there like Uwe Boll who makes a fucking pile of shit. Just every movie is worse than the last. He has nothing to say in any of them. And they're all garbage. And they probably all made more money than George Romero because he's able to sell them for fucking pennies, um, you know, to God knows who else. And, and they like get weird tax cuts for German tax dealings. And, um, you know, it, it, George doesn't get, uh, in my opinion, enough respect for the things that he makes for the budget that he has. Well, thank the spaghetti noodled headed monster thing that Uwe Boll has now quit making movies. Yeah, yeah thank God. Yeah. That's not going to stop us from having an Uwe Boll episode, Shane. You're still going to have to watch him. Uh, not in this fucking lifetime, my friend. <laughs> <clears throat> Postal was good. Postal was good. There's no way. There's no way Postal was good. I haven't That's seen it, but there's... Oh, what's... That's the one where uh, that one kid goes, just kills everybody, right? Well, I mean, that's the plot of Postal the Video Game. I'm assuming that's what it's ripped off of. I, I, I think I saw that one. I think he made a sequel to that, but the first one wasn't terrible. And you, you will agree, I'm sure. Listen, I am the person <laughs> that has watched House of the Dead more than once. Oh, God, that film. And in fact, I saw it in theaters. Come on. <laughs> my brother. I Some... okay. This is a fun. Oh, we got a quick little side story because why wouldn't I have one? Um, my brother and I, my little brother at the time, let's see, he was probably, mm, I'm gonna say like uh, four, 15, 15, 16, somewhere around there. So he's in high school. I was in college. House of the Dead had come out, and um, we had nothing to do one day. We're like, let's go to the movies. So we go to the movies, and I don't even know that we looked at what was playing. We just sort of showed up, and at the time. Two things were starting at the same time. House of the Dead and the first Lord of the Rings. So what did we watch? House of the Dead. Unbelievable. And man. Did you feel ripped off? <laughs> I was going to say. I don't think we paid for it. I think I worked at the theater at the time. I was going to say, did you feel ripped off? <laughs> well, we laughed. We still laugh about it to this day that we didn't watch like <laughs> an Academy Award nominated movie. Instead, we watched House of the Dead. <laughs> See, somebody bought me that for my birthday a few years ago, and I was just like, "Oh, House of the Dead, okay." And I put it on, and obviously, this was in the days before social media, so it's. I was just like, 
right, what is this film? What is it doing? Oh, I recognize him from Final Destination 2. Um, who the fuck is that? And why am I watching this film? And I, I, I was just absolutely appalled. I was so appalled. And literally, I had to um, do this on the quiet. Um, I had to give it away to somebody because I didn't want it in my collection ever again. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't, you didn't pick up House of the Dead 2? Fuck no, man. Are you insane? That's a movie so bad. That's a movie so bad, Uwe Boll passed on it. Well, <laughs> that explains a lot, really. Mind you, it could be worse. It could be worse. It could have been Blood Rain. I, I do have those, Shane. If you want to borrow any of these Uwe <laughs> Boll movies, Shane, I got them lined up already. In fact, maybe we'll do a giveaway. Of yeah, I was about Uwe to Boll say, movies. instead of, sending, <laughs> instead of some, sending somebody these uh, dead films, you just send them all the Blood Rains. Oh, my God. Oops, it was a mix-up in shipping. <laughs> yeah, why anybody would want to watch those films is beyond me. It's Come on, Blood Rain, the Third Reich. It's <sighs> got to be decent, right? It's got it's to have Nazis in it. Oh, God, no, please. Can I just go to bed now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get off of Uwe for a minute. Let's go back to uh, Mr. Romero. So, um... So on the dead movies, right? Um, now, Mike, you had said that you preferred uh, you like dawn, then day, then night, right? Correct. Now I think I get once again all fucking three of us have different lists because I believe I am day, night, dawn. Really? Yes. Even 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 to what? Just for the gore? Or? No, I love Day of the Dead. I think that movie the claustrophobic feeling you get out of it and um, just sort of the the richness and the color. I think it's beautiful. It's one of my favorite looking horror movies because it's so clean and it's so filthy at the same time. It's this amazing quality. I love the way he filmed it. Um, and uh, I, lo I love Rhodes. He's one of my favorite sort of antagonists. In any horror movie, the guy's such a complete dickhead. I love it. I love Frankenstein. He's awesome. I don't know. Uh, the, the whole movie, just every time, that's that's my number one movie that when I say every time I watch it, it gets better. Day of the Dead is my number one, gets better every fucking time I watch it. Um, and I, I now, now saying that, I love all three of these movies. I'm not saying Dawn of the Dead is bad. Right. At all. It's awesome. It's amazing. Um I just prefer these other ones to it. I just think these are a little bit better. I think day. I think uh, Night of the Living Dead is just such a fucking classic. And I know you said you, it could feel a little dated, and I and I do understand that. I get that. Um, but I, I don't have a problem with movies that sort of feel old. Like I'll even you know I'll watch stuff from the '30s with the old timey talk where we talk like this and well, hey here we go here we go get on, the, get on the train and let's go. The reason why it feels dated, I think, is because, I mean, like the zombies, I mean, Shane said zombies, you know, running sucks, but the first zombie you see, he's running after the people, you know, and he's kind of staggering, yeah, he's, he's falling he's, all he's over the place. He's got a slight jaw going, but like, uh, right, this, for me, that feels dated for a Romero film because, yeah. you know, he's like <laughs> using rocks and he's more of like a, not like a typical zombie that we know of now. He's kind of he, just... He is more of a land, land of the dead zombie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, as they're more evolved up then, they're using tools and weapons and stuff. I actually met him. 
I actually met Bill him. Hinsman. Yeah, I actually have a signature on my wall right now. And he put, uh, really? Yeah, he's, he put, I'm going to get you next, Mike. And he put zombie number one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. And uh, he died shortly after I met him, but he was he was a super nice guy. Yeah, he's he does a lot of production. Where he, I'm sorry, he did a lot of production work and stuff on movies as well. Um, some of Romero's movies, he was actually the producer on a few of them. Um, and you know, he did a lot of behind the scenes work. He directed one. I am having a brain fart on it right now. It is. Um, Shit, it came in a box set with Burial Ground. That's all I remember. It was in one of the zombie packs. He directed it? Uh, yeah, he directed it and starred it, and I can't remember. It, it's another zombie movie. I can't remember the name of it now. It's going to kill me. Somebody's gonna, some People are screaming into their fucking, my, you know, into their iPhones now. That's, but um, I'm on, uh, he directed Flesh Eater? Flesh Eater, that's it. Yeah, it was in one of the zombie packs. Yeah, actually, um, I do own that. <laughs> I do own Flesh Eater. <laughs> yes yeah um now let me ask you this mike have you seen the 30th anniversary night of the living dead cut uh probably not you would know it if you saw it (laughs) why shane do you want to let mike know in on on this one right there we go all right the night of the living dead 30th anniversary cut has some additional scenes added to the film to make it feel like it was part of the original cut. What they did is they got Bill Hinsman, um, they got him back to um, play his his corpse, um, actually rising out of his coffin. And what they did, because because obviously the guy was fairly old when they did it, when they did the um, new scenes. Well, um, when they recorded the 30th anniversary, it, they recorded it 30 years after Night of the Living Dead was made. Yeah, so yeah. basically, yeah, they had to put makeup on Bill Hinsman to make him look younger and more corpse-like. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and um, all I can say is save yourself from watching that, Mike, because the scenes make absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever. They shouldn't have even been put in the film in the first place. It should have just been left well alone. Now, the story behind it was, if you watch Night of the Living Dead, it's you watch the movie, it comes up, it says, written by John Russo and George Romero. John Russo made the 30th anniversary edition as a means to make money from Night of the Living Dead because of the copyright issue that, that's pretty well known, that neither George Romero or anybody who made the movie actually got any money from making it because they had the they, they didn't put the right copyright into the film. So the film immediately went into public domain and people could do whatever they wanted with it. Yeah. So so as a means to make money, John Russo filmed new scenes with Bill Hinsman and a couple other people to add additional content to the movie. So it's to try to make it more his. Yeah. Kind of, but I think it's it's more to be like, yeah, I want to make money off this. So yeah, I have well, to that's add something. Yeah, to that's it. what I mean. Like to, to say like, hey, that's mine. That's my product. Yeah. That's kind of shitty. It, it is it is kind of garbage. I mean, I got I got problems with John Russo. He he also did write uh, Return of the Living Dead, which is still one of the fucking best zombie movies of all time, too. So I mean, the guy's got some talent. He wrote the uh, early version of the remake too, of For Night, according to IMDb. Uh, well, it's probably just oh they 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 give you a writer's credit. I'm sure. Um, you know, for just having because that one was pretty almost shot for shot. You know. Yeah. That's yeah. A, 
That's a pretty good remake remake. But yeah, so stay away. Don't worry, people. The version I'm giving away is not the 30th anniversary version of Night of the Living Dead. You'll get a classic black and white one, just like it should be. Yeah, don't do what I did and buy the 30th anniversary edition in a box set. Yikes. Oh, see, I didn't even know. You know what happened to me? I, I went to like a uh, an FYE, um, you know, which is a DVD store here. And um, I just saw, I'm like, oh, good, Night of the Living Dead. I've been looking for a good copy of this because on the back of it, it says newly restored, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, nice, clean, nice, clean version. 30th anniversary. Great. Pop the fucking thing in. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. See, I bought a box set with a night, dawn and day in it not realizing that the version of night in this box set was the 30th anniversary cut. Oh, that sucks. And um, I still have it because it's got, um, obviously it's got uh, dawn and day on it. And it's also got a um, documentary. The documentary of the dead is a bonus disc. Oh, so that's good though. Have you watched yeah, that? That's I actually have, pretty awesome. Yeah. I have watched that a couple of times because obviously it's got the scenes with um, Greg Nicotero. Because, I mean, obviously he first did, what was it? I think it was Day of the Dead was one of his first experiences of working with George Romero. And um, he's always worked with him ever since on various projects. So um, I think, uh, I mean, that is that is a really good documentary to watch. I've actually enjoyed watching that several times. Yeah, actually, I, I mean, that's something we probably... I probably should even mention it you can take a note here yeah if, you, if you're interested in romero uh document of the dead is awesome it's yeah. a really great documentary and it's an older documentary too it's not something that's modern day i think it was made probably in the 70s or 80s right uh, document of the dead is the one that it covers all the it covers the original dead trilogy so it covers day of the dead as well Oh, I so, thought that was the one that just covered uh, dawn of the dead no 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 this one the one i've got covers all three films Oh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Possibly. Hmm. What possibly? Yeah, because the one I'm thinking of was was mostly a uh, you know it was sort of a behind the scenes type of thing for Dawn of the Dead, but it also it also went it had a couple later interviews with the people going over you know its impact and stuff. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm sure both maybe there's different versions and or maybe I just haven't finished that documentary. That's always possible. Oh, okay. But now they're awesome. They're definitely awesome. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Night of the Living Dead, it's it's a horror classic. It is, in my opinion, up with fucking Dracula, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, um, you know, maybe like a, a horror of Dracula. Night of the Living Dead is, is one of the premier horror movies of all time. It's like you have, if you watch any film at all, if you're interested in film, Night of the Living Dead is a must watch have to watch and it is it's george romero's first big you know first film really that he released he's got something else listed on imdb i don't even count that one um but yeah night is something amazing to enjoy and i, I can remember my earliest memory of watching night i think i may have seen it before this but i can remember i was at my buddy tj's was my buddy tj was having a sleepover party and probably like one in the morning, Night of the Living Dead came on some channel. And I'm like, we're watching this because it's like, you know, it's like Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. So we, I sat there and made all my friends watch it. It was awesome. I think they hated it. <laughs> but I remember loving it. That's like so, my earliest night memory. That's yeah, pretty see, awesome. 
Yeah, Night of the Living Dead has always been my favourite out of the out of the three. It is is um, I've, I appreciate black and white movies, and I think that's the main reason why I liked it so much because it was eerie, it's atmospheric, and it's got claustrophobic tendencies to it as well. And mm-hmm. I just think it's a superb film to watch, and because it's it's centered around a group of people stuck in a house. Yeah, I think that makes it even better for me because I can always remember the first time I watched that and I thought to myself, this is really quite creepy, but it's really awesome as well. I can't even remember how old I was when I watched it, but I was a teen- mm-hmm. I was a teenager, so for me, yeah, I loved it. Awesome. Well, let's move off the dead movies a little bit. Let's get a little bit into some of George's other stuff. Um, after Night... Uh, he had a movie called There's Always Vanilla, and then a fi- and then another one, Season of the Witch. Now, these are two of his movies that I have not seen. Has anyone... So nobody's seen these? No. No. <laughs> well, the good news is Arrow Films has just announced, they or last week they just announced they're releasing um, a box set called um, After Night Before Dawn. And it has, there's always Vanilla, Season of the Witch, and I think the Crazies in the box set as well. I didn't know that was in the box set. Uh, is it the Crazies or Martin? It's one of them. I, there's three of them in there, I know that. Did that sell out, do you know? Off the top of your head. I don't I don't think it did. I think just the thing. Uh, but I don't know if, you, well, this is this is dumb nerd collector talk, but they, they announced today that they are upping the number of box sets they're making, Mike, so they're no longer doing. I already got, uh, I got the Steelbook, thank God. Oh yeah, that's the one I ordered. I got that from the Zavi one. Yeah, the the box set was totally sold out. The box set's back up now. Yeah, well, I'm not spending additional money on it. <laughs> oh, okay, I was, just, I was gonna say they they expanded it, so now they're releasing more box sets, but not more steel books. Hang on, Zavi is still a thing. <laughs> yeah, I order from Zavi. Like see, see Ryan told me about Zavi, and I I I don't know why I didn't trust the site. I mean, you know, he's like, it looks sketchy. I'm like, this is a big UK site. Like, it's they make all the steel. It asked for my county, and I'm not used to that. I was like, ah. you no, 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 no. On the top, on the top right of the screen, you have to click it to the US, not UK. Oh, see, I was on mobile, so mm. I didn't see that part. See, Zavi that went. Done it. Zavi went into liquidation years ago. Because right, they're only online now. Yeah, because they used to be a they used to be a sh- uh, a shop in Norwich. Um, because it was because Zavi got bought out, um, or Zavi bought out Virgin Megastore from Richard Branson. Then they opened the shop, called it Zavi, then went into liquidation eighteen months after they um, mm-hmm. after they opened. Yeah, from what I understand, it was like an FYE, Mike. Oh, okay. But now they're just an online store, and they actually do they make many steelbooks, as far as I can see. So- they specialize in them. Okay. Um. What's the uh the name of that uh Romero documentary or not the documentary but the uh the thing you just said by Arrow? Uh, I believe it's called After Night Before Dawn, and it's it's got an amazing it's got a picture of George Romero's head on sort of like on the dawn background. Yeah. Um. If you go to if you go to uh, Arrow Video's website, I'm sure it'll be up there. I'm sure it's up for pre-order. I pre-ordered it from DiabolicDVD.com. That is a free plug because I fucking love those guys. <laughs> But but yeah, so I'll, um I haven't seen these ones. There's always vanilla in season of the witch. Um, but I will eventually. So 
unfortunately, we're going to have to just bypass those guys. Um, let's move on to uh, 1970s, 1973's The Crazies, um, which I had watched years ago. God, way over a decade. I don't remember how long it's been. Um, but I, I rewatched it this weekend, and it is fucking brilliant. I was way more blown away by this movie than what I had remembered. Um, what I remembered was just sort of like, oh, you know, there's crazy people and people are running around shooting them. But like watching it again, the the silver the sort of um, over encompassing over encompassing themes of militarization, a bureaucratic incompetence, and government overreach were fucking like right in front of my face, and I don't know how I didn't see him before. I feel like an idiot for, like, not having watched this movie, like, just paying attention to it. I don't know. Um, but it is fucking awesome, and I think this is one of his uh, best movies that utilizes one of George's tricks that he uses, in that he doesn't have a bad guy. Like, there's not a main antagonist in this movie. I mean, if you watch Night, right, you, you you could say that um, Harry is, like, the jerk of the movie or whatever. But really what he's trying to do is just look out for his kids and his family. He doesn't really do too much that's to, like, you know, uh, kill everyone. He's just really trying to protect everyone and stay safe. Uh, but the crazy sort of takes that same idea and expands on it. There really is nobody that's, like, at fault. All the people are trying to do their best to do the things that they think need to be done. The military's trying to stop this crazy virus that makes people go insane and become super violent from getting out. So they're shutting down this area and scientists are working to try to develop a cure. And at the same time, people are trying to get out of the quarantined area because they don't know what's going on, but the military won't tell them it's some crazy virus. So it's, it's this sort of like everybody's at fault. Um, but really nobody's the bad guy. And I, I think that fucking works. Perfect. Have you guys seen the original 73 Crazies? Yes, I've only I've, seen it once a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, I I watched it once and didn't actually like it. But See, I was sort of the same way the first time I watched it. I was like, yeah. ah, whatever. And just watching it this weekend, I'm like, holy shit, where was I? But, no, I, I really enjoyed it, watching it again. I mean, like, I had, um, I don't know if you, the, the remake that came out in the 2000s, that one seems much more, I guess, popular. But, like, that movie, it's it's not a terrible movie. It's, you know, it's just a crazy infection, people go cycle, and, and they get killed kind of movie. It doesn't have the depth this one has, I found. Um, it's just more dumb violence. It's it's sort of like, I mean, it's, it's sort of like the Dawn of the Dead remake that got made for George. Like, it's like, it, it's fine. It's, you know, it's entertaining to watch, and there's cool shit that happens. Um, but it, it doesn't hold a candle in terms of like the depth or commentary that George was making in the original. Yeah. I seen the remake in, in theaters and I saw it. Uh, I watched it again, but I, I don't remember the original too much. Well, one big thing in the original is there's no like visual cue that somebody has been infected. Like in the remake, I know they get all like veiny. And I, I think their eyes get bloodshot, but there's nothing like that. So you don't really know if somebody's infected, just their behavior. They start acting a little bit off and you're like, is that because they're thrown in this nutty situation or is that because they're infected? 
It's sort of you don't really know, and some people take longer to turn than others. It's it's it, it's a great trip. Like it's like psychological on the audience. You're like, I don't even know who is not nuts here. You're like, is the military nuts? Are these people nuts? I don't know. Like, it's cool shit. I really like it, um, and I'd recommend definitely revisiting it if you've only seen it once and you know. Yeah, I'm thought it was, thought it was okay because I had the exact it. same reaction first time I watched it. I was like. Okay, I get it, but I didn't fucking love it. I was just like, yeah, it's 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 just another movie, and there's some psychos and whatever. Um, but watching it again, uh, it definitely holds up. It's really good. Awesome. So, um, so yeah, after that, um, we got 1978's Martin. Uh, Shane, you're a Martin fan, if I remember right, right? Yeah, I've seen it a few times over the years. I do like this movie. Um Obviously, it's a uh, interesting twist on um, a form of vampirism, and mm-hmm. I do love my vampire movies, so uh, I, I find those actually quite interesting. Um, obviously, it's about a guy who's um, obsessed with um, certain women and the whole aspect of vampirism itself. So he goes around and not so much as kidnaps women, but kind of captures them in a sense and drains them of their blood and um, basically goes around attempting to become this vampire character. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was, I thought it was quite a clever little film actually. I, um, I really do. I did enjoy this a lot um, years ago when I watched it for the first time. Yeah, this one, this one is one of Romero's. Uh, it's a more visual film. It's more yes. artistic. Yeah, it is than any of his previous movies. The other I mean, ones are really like story driven. They're they're there to tell a story. This one is um, it's meant to like get you to feel this like whatever feeling George is trying to drive into you at the moment. <clears throat> and he uses crazy visuals, and there's a lot of scenes that flip to black and white, yeah. sort of when Martin's having these delusions. Like he's imagining what's real. What I think is really kind of cool is that when it when it does that sort of black and white flip, everything sort of turns like old timey, but but more like an old Hammer movie than anything else. Um, so it, the, there's like weird costumes and stuff, and the people that are in the scene are completely different. Um, but Martin sort of stays the same, and he imagines himself in this like Victorian era. Uh, you know, vampire thing where the girls are be he's being he's seducing the girls. Yeah. But in reality, he's like tackling them and trying to stab them with a dirty needle. <laughs> uh, it's it's a it's a good contrast, and it. I don't know. I I think it, I think it works well. I wasn't a huge fan of this movie the first time I saw it, and I think I remember I I saw it. Th- this wasn't one I had seen a long time ago. I saw this. It was probably like two thousand eight or so, for the it, first time. It's definitely an acquired taste. Yeah, yeah, it's um, also super rapey. Like, yeah, this kid's like just, just fucking the the rape train is rolling, man. And you're like, you have a hard time connecting to him because you're like, ooh, that's a lot of rape. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I want to get on board this train. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I'm trying to look up for like a, a proper release of it. it is there not one? It was there is. I've. Yeah, it was originally released um, in France in um, 1978, 5th of July. So, well, much much later than that, I've got a DVD. I could go. Yeah. Get the, <laughs> I could go get the box. There's there's a US DVD, but I know there's a much better 
UK one. I want to say it's maybe from Arrow or maybe from um, uh, what's that other company? Kino, maybe. Right. Is, um, is this some kind of a hint or something? No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, Chain. I got access to Zavi. I can get on there. Oh, excellent. Um, that means I don't have to send you any more Evil Dead movies. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's uh, there's an Arrow, Martin, and it's out of yeah, print. That's a, it's a DVD. I know that. Um, that was the only reason I didn't pick it up, because it wasn't a Blu-ray. It was a DVD. Oh, okay. Um, but I... <laughs> I saw somewhere something got announced recently that this is coming out again. There's going to oh, okay. be a Blu-ray sometime, I imagine. I can't even find um, the uh, DVD on Amazon for Arrow. Really? Yeah. Oh, the Arrow one? Yeah. yeah. It, that's literally a UK-only release. Oh, okay. So, I mean, if, if you go to Amazon.uk, you might be able to find it. Probably. I'll have a look for you, because I'm nice like that. <laughs> I just typed in Martin DVD into Amazon, and of course, it comes up with Martin Lawrence DVDs. <laughs> same thing, same plot. It's exactly the same. Oh yeah, so the the one that I have, because uh, this is the same box that I have. This is listed on Amazon for twenty nine bucks. Yeah, that's the one I yeah. saw, but I'm not paying thirty bucks for that. No, yeah. no, I, I got I got this years and years ago. The Arrow release on in the UK new is twenty four forty two. The Im- yeah, the import <laughs> is is eleven pound thirty five, and to buy it used and new, it goes from ten pound sixteen. Wow, I didn't realize this was a a difficult film to find. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, um, um, I, I think it's if if so if you like, um sort of psychological artistic movies because this really is uh he he uses the art form of film in this more so than his other movies like his other movies are pretty straightforward in terms of their storytelling and the the shots and everything else this one he he really stretches out he lets he sort of you know goes all out and and does a pretty crazy movie and it's got a lot of the sensibilities of something like um, uh, Last House on the Left, where, you know, you have that, like, super intense rapiness of it. Yeah. But at the same time, you're sort of like, you're like, all right, I got to see what happens. And But you're, you're awkward. It's got that awkward feeling. If anybody's interested in the double DVD collector edition, the UK format import, you can get a copy for £63.59. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, that's pricey. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be another set coming out. I, I, it's got to be. I'm sure there is. I think, I think it's worth checking out. Um, it's grown on me after. Uh, uh, I think this is my third or fourth viewing of it. It's not for everybody. I wouldn't recommend this for a movie. Like if you're into vampires and you're like, yeah, I want to see somebody with the stake and get the blood. This might not be the movie for you because no. it's definitely um, more like house invading sort of kidnapping and drugging people, raping and then killing them. Well, that's completely different from what I thought it was. Uh-huh. It, it, it's it's intense. I mean, I'll say that. It, it's it's a departure from George's normal stuff that he does, but I think it's definitely worth checking out. Um, so, yeah, Martin's good. After that, we got Dawn of the Dead, of course. We've already talked about that, you know, a million times. Um, that's a classic. But I want to move on to the next one, because this one I think is really unique, and I just watched it for the second time. I think the first time I watched it, though, I don't. I think I may have been sleeping or something. 
but I watched Knight Riders this weekend. Have either of you guys seen Knight Riders? No. Heard of it, but I've always wanted to see it. Okay. This movie is nuts. This is not a horror movie. This is one of George's few non-horror movies. Um, it's sort of a sort of an action movie, an action drama, I'll say. Uh, it's about a a modern day, by modern day, I mean late 1970s, a modern day group of um, motorcycle stuntmen that are all part of a medieval um, battle show. So sort of like a sort of like a carnival, these guys would travel from town to town and they set up th- these medieval battle scenes and instead of riding horses, they ride motorcycles. And they've got jousting and they've got combat and they've got all this stuff and it all has to do with, you know, riding dirt bikes and motorcycles and doing crazy stuff. It's got Ed Harris in it. Tom Savini is a main character. It's got Ken Foree in it. He's always amazing right off of Dawn of the Dead. And um, the weird, the sort of weird part about this movie is it borrows a lot from Arthurian legends. Like you've got like the king and you've got the queen and, you know, there's the guy that's trying to take the crown, but he's trying to do it honorably. It's, it's not about like sneaking behind the guy or anything. And then you've got like the Lancelot character who like secretly wants the queen, but doesn't say anything. It is weird. That sounds but, amazing. But addicting. Like, super addicting. And most of the movies, all it's like stunt work. The whole movie is all stunt work. Guys on dirt bikes and motorcycles doing jumps, smashing each other with, you know, chains and, and maces and swords and stuff and big battles. And um, there's, there's multiple overarching plots that all intertwine. And like the other movies, like I said, there's not really a bad guy. Uh, I mean, even Tom Savini plays a guy who who wants to become, quote-unquote, the king, and the king is the guy who runs the motorcycle show. And they literally determine who the king is by battling. So, like, if you could imagine this, you know, this is in the 1980s or late 1970s. They're like, I want to run this um, this group of guys. And instead of having, like, a board meeting or something, they say fucking put on armor like medieval armor and ride around on dirt bikes until they smash into each other. And one guy gets knocked off. So is, awesome. is this worth owning? Yes, okay, definitely. The arrow Blu-ray is on Amazon right now and it's only $13. Or oh, that's a must buy. I didn't even know they had a Blu-ray. I'm watching my old DVD of it. Yeah. It came out April 30th of 2013. Oh yeah. See, yeah. I'm, I'm, lo- I'm looking on IMDb at the moment and apparently, um, the original cut of the movie, the first cut of the movie, ran for 17 hours. Yeah, he says that. I think that's just the amount of footage he had. There's no yeah. way it was... I mean, who the hell's going to watch that? No, <laughs> not that long. I mean, this is a long movie. It could probably use some trimming, but there's so much craziness that happens. Also, there's a ton of nudity. There's a ton of different characters. Again, George's social commentary comes in. They, you know, there's a lot of stuff they bring up about um, homosexuality at one part. There's a whole section about like the, uh, a gay character, and for a late '70s movie, it it's pretty progressive in a movie that's not about that. Like the movie's about fucking dirt bikes and people fighting each other, and they've got this whole section of the movie about this gay character, which is really interesting. You know, it, it's a it's sometimes it gets a little bit borderline offensive because obviously they didn't have any type of, you know. Um, uh, sort of political correctness back then, but 
it's it is progressive for the time. So it, yeah, it, it's like pretty interesting. It. Did you? Yeah, it was it was four, <laughs> it was twenty bucks with tax. I was like, yeah, screw it. Do it, man. It's worth it. It's 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 definitely worth a watch, and it's <laughs> it's worth having such a crazy movie. Like when you describe it to people, they're like, wait, what? Why are, they're on dirt bikes and but full night gear, like all all real armor, smashing each other. Tom Savini's actually really good in it. It's it's probably one of his best roles. That's awesome. Which is which is weird. And they, again, they cover a lot of stuff. There's a domestic, a domestic violence thing that goes on in the movie. It's such a cool movie. Um, it's not. The ending gets. I don't know. I don't want to spoil the ending. I won't spoil the ending. But the the movie takes a turn, um, and. It sort of comes back around, but it's a fun watch. It's like the movie, you could tell the guys making the movie had a lot of fun making it. Sort of like Dawn of the Dead, if you watch any of the behind the scenes stuff, you could see how much of a blast those guys had making this. This is just like a continuation of it. And uh, from what I understand, this was the movie where uh, George Romero um, married his wife, like on set at the end of the movie. And on like one of the last days of filming, and you could just picture like the the medieval background, dirt bikes, guys riding around, you know, a wedding going on. It had to be nuts. Yeah, I, I recommend Night Riders if you haven't seen it in a while. Check it out again; it's a blast. It's so it's so much nonsense. It's a good time. And uh, yeah, that's about it for that one. Now I'm gonna hold off a little on this one because I've been talking for fucking forever. But I know you guys have seen Creepshow. So why don't you give me a little bit on Creepshow? Go ahead, Shane. Really? Um, yep. <laughs> damn it. All right. Well, Creepshow, basically, is just it's an anthology. It's, um, it's an anthology, five tales all put together. Um, Oh, do you know, I, it's it's been a while since I've watched it, but I do love this movie, and it's basically five different tales, all all centered around certain characters, and the whole wraparound business um, as well was, oh, um, yeah, I think there was a wraparound piece with it as well. I just, yeah, the, the, the big was, thing about the big thing about the wraparound in this movie was it had Tom Atkins in it, who is one of my favorite people yeah. in the universe. Yeah, and. In this movie, in a very, very rare showing, I believe it's Tom Atkins without a mustache. Yes. It's, um, that's like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he doesn't have a mustache. I don't remember him not having a mustache. I think I, maybe I just remember him always having a mustache. Of course, you're like, well, <laughs> Tom Atkins has to have a mustache. But when you watch it, you're like, oh, my God. where is this? That reminds me, there was a, I was just watching Martin earlier before we started this podcast, and Tom Savini's in it, and he's in there with no goatee, and I'm like, gross. <laughs> he doesn't have a goatee. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, the stories, the stories in Creep Show. The first one is um, about an old guy um, returning, fr- returning from the grave to get his father's day cake, and murdering his daughter um, because she never gave him a cake. Um, the second story is about a farmer who happens to be played by Stephen King, discovering a meteor that turns everything into plant life, and the lonesome uh, death of Jordy Verrill. Yeah, it's that meteor is- shit. Yeah, <laughs> radio shit. Uh, that, uh, that actually, that that short 
Matt Short actually does make me chuckle every time I watch it. Um, yeah, the third is um, about a husband burying his wife and her lover up to the next in the beach, which, if I remember correctly, is Ted Danson and um, oh, who's the female? Oh crap! She was. She's in another Romero movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think um, who it is. Uh, Galen Ross. There we go. She was in Dawn there of the you Dead. Go. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the um, the fourth story is uh, about a creature that resides in the crate under the steps of a college. Um, and then you've got the uh, um, the last story, which is the thing about cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy getting his cockro- getting his comeuppance with the cockroaches and stuff. The cockroach man. Yeah. So, what's your favorite story, Shane? I think my favorite story is actually the um, the one with Stephen King because it's, oh, really? <laughs> it's just funny. It's funny. It's very it's it's very comical the way the the way he plays the character, um, and. I just think he's a genius. I mean, he could do stand-up, I think, Stephen King, because I just thought he was really funny in it. In it. And, uh, yeah, that was that was my that's my favourite story out of that. Obviously, the birthday cake, the birthday story is a close second. Yeah. Um, but I do love the crate, the one with the crate with the creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, um, Obviously, there's a lot of references. That that movie gets referenced quite a lot in other films because I saw something quite recently. I think it was either a TV show or something or other. Um, it was. I'm trying to think what it was, but um, hang on, let me just have a look on um, IMDb. It was. Yeah. yeah it was. Um, it was really rec- It was really quite recent. Um, well, I know the the crate was actually in um, Jason Goes to Hell. At the uh, underneath the Voorhees house, the crate is down there. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Like you know how they have the Necronomicon in that yeah. movie as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the crate is there as well. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> no wonder Ed Harris is it. in uh, Creep Show because I never saw Night Riders, <laughs> and you said. And I just saw a picture yep. of Ed Harris standing next to Tom Savini. I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Ed Harris. Ed Harris plays the king in Night Riders. Of course he does. Um, no, I also wanted to get a little Night Rider turn back. So also in Night Riders, <laughs> playing a disgusting, greasy hillbilly is Stephen King. Excellent. <laughs> mm. He's got like he's got one line in it, but you're like, that's fucking Stephen King. <laughs> Actually, the Creep Show. I met George Romero last year at Texas for a yeah. weekend, and I had him sign the uh, the poster of Creep Show. It's just oh, like that's, that's like awesome. some uh, skeleton guy holding like a watch. Yep. I had him sign that. Yeah, and I know which one you're talking about. I had him sign that, and Stephen King is doing like a signing near oh me. God. I know that was the first thing I thought of, but he's only signing his most recent book. Uh, I know. I, I would love. You know what to- though. I mean, this is a dumb idea, but I've heard Stephen King's a real cool guy. I mean, like, I would, it would be murderous to send to try sending that to him to get him to sign it. I, I, I mean, I'm, see, that's sh- what I'm I was sure thinking, he would do it, but. but it specifically says on there he will not be signing anything else. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to be that douchebag. Well, oh, could you sign this for me? Yeah, you don't want to be that guy. 
Uh, that oh, but man, that would be fucking so cool. I mean, that's so one of my favorite things that I do own um, is uh, a it's a copy of Dawn of the Dead, the Ultimate Edition, which was it, at the time that it came out was like a big deal. Um, now I think there's other releases that have surpassed it, but it's Dawn of the Dead, and I I got it signed uh, first by Dario Argento because he he did the cut the uh, Italian cut zombie. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had met Dario, got him to sign it, and then went to another convention where George Romero was going to be, and I, I, I brought it to get George to sign it. So I got a Dawn of the Dead with Dario oh and my George God. both signed, and fucking. So I bring it to George, he picks it up, and he looks at it, and he goes, "Ah, oh, Jesus Christ, Dario didn't leave me anywhere to sign on here." <laughs> he just wrote across the middle of it. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, that was the only time I got to meet George, and I'm, I was so glad that I got to meet him, but um, it, it, it sucks. Like, I fucking... He came to Connecticut, like, two years ago, and I couldn't make it, because I was on... I went to some dumb beer fest or something, and it's like, now I'm kicking myself. I'm like, fuck, I wish I fucking went. Could have saw him again. But... One of the nicest right. people I've met. You know, yeah, I'm, super, super nice. I'm really, I'm really pleased you guys got to meet him got to meet him i mean obviously i would never have gotten to meet him myself but you know i don't have anything signed by george romero which is a shame mm. when i met him he was actually selling like the screenplays of uh some of his movies i bought i actually have in my jeep right now george a romero for president that's awesome because i bought yeah. the bumper sticker <laughs> yeah he was to meet him in person like to be and it's one of those things, like, I'm sure, Mike, when you went to Frightmare, I'm sure George Romero had, like, you know, lines wrapped around the, bil- nope. the building. One, really? of the, one of the shortest lines I saw, I've seen Get at a convention. The fuck out of here. Swear to God. I went up, I, I waited in line for maybe 10 minutes. Wow. I waited in line for, I think, this was at a weird convention in um, Gettysburg. Um, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was a convention in Gettysburg, and I want to say I waited two and a half hours for George, which wasn't actually that long, because I've seen people wait at conventions for, like, four hours for Robert England and stuff like that. I waited five hours to get Angus Scrim. Wow. Yeah, Angus was... Scrim had a longer... I mean, I understand... I love Angus Scrim, but he had a longer line than George Romero. Well, I met Angus Scrim at Flashback Weekend here in Chicago. Okay. And I don't know, maybe people have met him before in Texas when I went to Frightmare last year. I, I don't know. But he, like uh, Val and I were commenting, we always, like, every time we looked by George Romero's booth, every time we walked by it, there was, like, nobody there. It was Dude, crazy. I, would, I, I don't know. I would fucking go back and just be like, <laughs> just sign me, sign my body somewhere. It was like, weird. I don't know. I'll, but yeah, um, yeah, creep show. Well, back to creep show since we were talking <laughs> about it. Um, it th- this is actually a childhood favorite of mine, and this is a movie that got me into horror movies. This is probably the the Romero movie that I would not be a horror fan had it not existed. Uh, I, this is a movie I watched when I was a little kid that my grandparents let me rent that they really should not have. I was probably like six or seven when I watched this movie the first time. Terrible decision because. Every one of these stories scared the living shit out of me. The crate, my god, that was one of those movies that, like, I don't think I fully saw the crate monster because my hands were over my eyes uh-huh. until I was, like, 18. And I was like, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to sit here and watch it. 
I fucking love it. In my bathroom right now is a replica of the crate that a um, a good friend had made for me. So it looks just like it. The, the wording's a little different on it because it's tough to get stencils in the right size that that fits towels. Um, but yeah, it's a crate box with chains and everything covered in blood, blood pouring out of the top of it, um, sitting in my bathroom. It's fucking amazing. That's a good friend. Yeah, it was. It was sort of my ex's dad who liked to do projects. <laughs> okay, and, then. Uh, yeah, she left and was like, you can keep the crate. And I'm like, I will. <laughs> that wasn't even up for a debate. <laughs> so, um, but no, I fucking love Creepshow. Um, it, actually, in my house, I have two Romero posters in my house. Uh, one is a, a an Italian Night of the Living Dead poster that's fucking awesome. And the other is a Creepshow poster. I think actually it's French. Um, but they get, they get some weird shit that's out there. Uh, in terms in terms of the way the posters look and fucking I love Creepshow man it is just I know it's not like one of the best movies but I fucking love it more than like anything like un- an un- unhealthy obsession with Creepshow um so yeah that that one's definitely up there and in terms of my favorite story I mean the crate is fucking just it's like in my soul but um I also really love Father's Day. I think that one's a fucking great segment, and it, it's a perfect, you know, it's the perfect opening to that movie. It goes by relatively quick, and it's got like such memorable scenes, and the makeup effects are awesome. Tom Savini killing it again on makeup. Such a fucking cool movie. Definitely. What was your favorite, Mike? Uh, I really Definitely like. Excuse uh... me, guys. Well, we lost Shane. Oh. Um. Uh, I really like the Ted Danson one, the Ted Danson and uh, Leslie Nielsen. So when I was little, that was my least favorite. Like I was like, oh, I gotta get through this one to get to the next one. But now watching it again with fucking Leslie Nielsen, seriously, he's it's like so good. I think that's why it's my favorite because of Leslie Nielsen, and I love, yes. absolutely love Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, and I'm sure you're like me, growing up. Leslie Nielsen is not like he's not a traditional actor. He's the guy from Airplane, Naked Gun. And, and, like, the Dracula spoof movie. Yeah. Like, and, and that's Leslie Nielsen. And before Airplane, he was, like, a serious actor. And I feel like... Exactly. I feel like Airplane ruined him completely, but in a good way. But um, I think, like, even in Creepshow, he still has, like, that ser- semi-serious, you know, like, feel for acting. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, this... Is this, like, Leslie Nielsen's last serious <laughs> oh, role? God. It might be. What? He's such a piece of shit to Ted Danson. I gotta not now. I'm going on. Now I'm gonna go back and look. I'm gonna Google it. I know. Let's see what we got here. Leslie Nielsen. Right. I'm gonna fucking go down to Creep Show, try to figure out what's after it. <clears throat> oh my god! So many fucking movies. He was in Soul Man. Oh my god. <laughs> um. No, there's so many spoof movies. Oh my god! I never even heard of some of these. Oh no, he's in a couple of serious ones. He's in he's in an episode of Murder She Wrote. There's no way that that was. Yeah, a I think he's goofball. not a comedy. That's not comedic at all. He's in two episodes. He plays two different people. How can you do that? <laughs> he's in 245 <laughs> things. Dude, I'm gonna find both of these Murder She Wrote episodes because now I want to watch them. And like, how do you pass that off? That what's your face? Um... Jessica Tandy 
or whoever the fuck it was. Oh, Angela Lansbury, not Jessica Tanty. Jessica Tanty. <laughs> the other old lady in glasses. Have you seen Repossessed? Angela Lansbury. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I got that on VHS. <laughs> Perfect. You know what? Uh, as uh, somebody had somebody had recommended, we do an Exorcist episode or an episode on exorcisms, with which is your favorite category, Mike, of like modern day. They're all found footage They're all shit. Exorcism movies. And I wrote so I had like I had the Exorcist series, like one through I don't know. There's like five of them, I think. Yeah, there's like four or five. And, and then there's and then there's like um, Last Exorcism, Last Exorcism two, and then I'm like repossessed. <laughs> That's that. No, that has to be done. <laughs> Yeah, so good. No, I fucking love Creep Show. Yeah, that's that's actually that it's a looking back on it. That's a really good segment that I didn't appreciate when I was younger because it didn't have the gore. It didn't have like the crazy special effects. It was more about tension and fucking, you know, the anticipation of the water creeping up. Yep. But yeah, it is awesome. All right, we got Creep Show done. How come we didn't After do that, Juice on the Loose? Juice on the Loose. Oh, that was some OJ documentary, I guess. It was directed by George Romero. Okay, this is pre-OJ murdering two people. <laughs> I think we should let that be known, that George Romero made some type of sports documentary about OJ before he was killing people. Yeah. That we know, that we know of. Before we got stab happy. <laughs> it's personally one of my favorite Romero films. I mean, that was a slogan during the OJ trial and stuff. The juice is on, you know, when he's like running from the cops, people were holding up signs that said the juice is on the loose. <laughs> is, did that originate from Romero or was that like a, a sports sign back in the day? I don't know. Maybe that was like OJ's thing. Like when he, you know, because he was a running back. Yeah. You know, when he was on a wrong, long run, the juice is on the loose. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to think it was because of George. I'll, yeah, I'll just give we'll him say that. that. Oh, fucking awesome. <laughs> All right, so then we got Day of the Dead, um, which, again, we already covered. I love it. Um, Mike likes it, and Shane puts it in third. Was that right, Shane? Well, Day of the Dead, yeah. Yeah. So, again, we cannot come to a consensus on fucking anything. Uh, and then we got Mike's favorite, Monkey Shines. So, Mike, what is going on in Monkey Shines that you remember? <laughs> well, let me tell you guys that um, I am really shit at like saying plots. I'm just gonna read the IMDb one because it's, oh, it's amazing. No. Okay, fine. Okay, what I remember, what I remember. Yeah, just give me what you remember because that's even better. Like, even if it's wrong, that's funnier. It's in the beginning of the movie. Some dudes <laughs> running with like bricks in his backpack because that happens. <laughs> And he, I forget how. That's how you worked out. That's how you worked out in the eighties. Yeah. Well, I forgot how, but he falls, and the bricks fly in the air, and he's boom quadriplegic. And uh, he's in a wheelchair, and I don't know why. I forgot why, but now a monkey helps him, uh, like get stuff. Yeah. He's quadriplegic. He's in a wheelchair, so like a monkey is now basically his hands and he gets stuff for him and then the mon monkey decides not to take a shit anymore and you know kill, starts uh, 
Anytime you guys are ready to intervene. <laughs> no, I'm just going to keep letting you flounder. That was going good. And the monkey starts attacking him. And he's got to do what he can to uh, defeat the monkey while he's a that, paraplegic in the wheelchair. There's a girl that's in not, there. That's not, that's not too bad. The only, the only part you're you're slipping up a little bit on is that the monkey and him, um, he didn't disagree with the monkey. The monkey fell in love with him. Was like fucking... Ew. Oh, yeah, the monkey wanted this guy's shit. Like, was just, like, obsessed with the dude to the point that they developed a psychic connection. And anyone that the guy hated, the monkey knew that he hated and would go... The monkey would go out and kill... Oh, yeah, wouldn't he say something to the monkey? Like, he had a certain word, I remember. Didn't he? Um, what what the hell was her name? Like, Bella or something? Anna, Bella? Something like that. Ella. I can't remember. Ella, oh my god, Ella, that's pretty close. The real name for that monkey um, is Boo. Boo? Yeah, mm-hmm. Boo is an that's actor. A good monkey name. Known for, <laughs> for monkey shy. Is there, a, was he also the actor in like the one season of Friends that there was a monkey in? No, Boo is, Boo has <laughs> only one. been in one thing, and he's only, he has his own IMTP page. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, wait a second. In the did you know section, the trivia is, <laughs> is a monkey. <laughs> that's amazing oh i love it that is fucking amazing well the monkey becomes obsessed with the guy and they develop this connection and the monkey sees anyone that could come in between her and the quadriplegic as someone that needs to be eliminated yeah. So the monkey's killing ex-girlfriends, killing his mother, killing like um, people that are trying to stop the monkey because they see it's an unhealthy relationship and they're like, you got to fucking stop with this monkey. <laughs> and, I, I like um, it. It's a good movie. Like, it's so no, unique I, and awesome. This one was a fucking VHS staple for me. I mean, I must have rented this a dozen times, maybe more when I was younger. The, yeah, the, this is one of those movies I could I could picture the cover of it. It's got the monkey with the little clanging symbols, yep. which is never in the movie. I don't think that's even in it. Like that's not what the monkey looks like. No, not that's just the cover of the movie. Um, but it is fucking, it is weird. Like this is another movie. Like where did George come up with this from? Because this What's is crazy. Based off a novel, I think. What? Somebody wrote a book about this. Yeah, uh, the writer uh, on IMDb, it's credited as uh, George Romero and Michael Stewart, which I guess he wrote the novel. Oh, my God. There was a <laughs> what the hell? Oh, no, no. I'm thinking of the, I'm thinking of a different. There, there was another novel that had a monkey on the cover. I think it was Skeleton Crew, but it was a Stephen King novel <laughs> that had the same clanging monkeys with the symbols on it. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's uh, I gotta look up that that novel and see if it's as good as the movie. But yeah, it's so fucking weird, man. The monkey's killing people. She's like throwing like a, a toaster into the into the bathtub, and like stabbing a guy with a needle. Again, another needle kill. Um, and the only thing I really remember from this movie is the fucking ending. And I don't want to spoil it, but essentially, like you had said, Mike, the, the quadriplegic guy, right? Yeah. It comes down to him and the monkey, and it's a man who cannot move any of his limbs has to stop a monkey 
Yep. There has to, you know, fight and kill a monkey. And it is fucking awesome. Like, I could picture... I'm not going to spoil how it ends. <laughs> because you don't... I, I feel Seriously, like if anybody you, has not seen Monkey Shines, they need to watch it. Because it's it's so unique. And it's so just... Not like... It's funny, but in a in a weird, cool way. In yeah, my... it's, hard to des- it's hard to describe the feeling you get from this yeah. movie. Because, again, the, you know... the the star of the movie is this guy who can't move his arms and his legs. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, not the actor. You know what I mean? But, you know, he plays the guy. Um, but it comes down to this intense, like, there's only one way to stop the monkey, and he's got to stop the monkey. who's <laughs> killing everybody. It is fucking awesome. Shane, have you seen Monkey Shines? I have, but it was in the 90s. Um, so it was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't really remember much about it. I remember the the guy in the wheelchair and the monkey, but I don't remember much about it. But listening to you guys rant on about it makes me want to see it again. Yeah, it's it is really fun, and this this is a, another one from George that I could say like just thinking about it brings a smile to my face. Oh yeah, it, it it's a blast. Um, one one thing I always remember is. So when he's got this like psychic connection with the monkey, he sees through the monkey's eyes essentially, or maybe it's just the ca- like the camera showing what the monkey's doing, and it is fucking. I don't even know how he does the kind of stuff that he does, where the he's crawling along power lines and hopping on the roof, and it's all shot from a first person perspective, and it looks fucking amazing. The monkey's like sneaking into different facilities and shit. It is. It's good. Um, this one. I'd recommend this to fucking everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, like, horror fan, not horror fan. It's so crazy, and it's it's so unique. You don't get movies like this. this even on Creepshow, like, listen, I love Creepshow. Creepshow's not unique. There's a ton of anthology movies that exist. Um, I mean, Knight Riders is pretty weird, but... <laughs> um, Fucking Monkey Shines is nuts. There's no other movie like Monkey Shines. I can't think of another one that even comes close to what this movie does. If you want to check out the book, you could buy it used for like $6, the hardcover. I might do that. <laughs> it, was, it was written in 1983. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I can't get that in, in time to, to travel with when I was going to say when I'm sitting on the plane. And be able to read it. Well, you could get the Kindle version. The Kindle no, version no, I- is $3. I feel like to read Monkey Shines, I gotta have, like, the whole book and be like, yeah, this is about a quadriplegic and a monkey that he loves. <laughs> so, um, that, yeah, that's a, that's a full recommendation for me on Monkey Shines for everybody that, that needs to watch this. It's, it's required watching. It's nuts, and it's fucking awesome. Definitely a good one. Now, I know you watched this recently, Mike. Two Evil Eyes. Did you get a chance to see this, or...? Um, I watched it... Probably. What was that, Mike? I don't remember too much. About Hello. It. Hello. Well, you cut you cut out there for a minute, Mike. So you said you just watched Two Evil Eyes. Yeah, I watched it a few months ago, but I don't really uh, recall a lot of it for some reason. But I yeah. So from what I remember, I mean, it's kind of like a it's like a two segment thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And th- this one sort of has an interesting background. There's a couple different stories as to how it came to be. Um. So there's there's one su- there's one set of stories that say it was originally meant to be a TV show that uh, Dario Argento was trying to put together, and each episode would essentially be a different story from Edgar Allan Poe, 
and he had like Michelle Savoy signed up and George Romero and and Richard Stanley who did um Hardware Hardware uh Dust Devil and and was a Famously, the original director on the island of Dr. Moreau before he got kicked off and replaced with another guy, which is another fucking long story. Um, but I guess that didn't make it, and then they were going to shift it into a, a, a full-length movie, and it was going to be four directors, in sort of creep show style. And originally, Argento wanted to have himself, Romero, George Carpenter, and Wes Craven make a movie. Which oh, wow. are... The fucking four greatest horror directors of all time. There's nobody that comes fucking close to those four guys. Um, but I guess, you know, for whatever reason, they couldn't put it together. And they somehow ended up with what what we have in Two Evil Eyes. That is um, one segment um, done by George Romero and one segment done by Dario Argento. Both of them are um, Edgar Allan Poe stories or, you know sort of modernized representations of them. And the uh, we'll focus on the Romero story, obviously. I mean, I'm a huge Argento fan. Um, and I think I actually slightly prefer the Argento one, but that's just because I'm a fucking Argento nutcase, and I love him. He's, like, one of my favorite directors. Um, but the uh, the Romero one is the facts in the case of Mr. Valdemar, which is an old Edgar Allan Poe story, and it has to do with an old guy that the wife, played by Adrienne Barbeau, um, another famous horror actress, uh, hypnotizes or has somebody hypnotize and gets him to sort of, you know, make an audio will that signs over everything to his wife. And somehow things get screwy and he gets hypnotized and he dies while he's hypnotized. And because he was hypnotized... He can't actually die, so he sort of is caught in this, like, limbo state where he wishes he was dead, but he can't die because he's still hypnotized, so they have to, like, either wake him up or something like that. And in the meantime, the hypnotist that had done this to him is like, oh, he like, he, he sort of kind of wants to use this guy to become famous because he, it proves that there's life after death, essentially. Uh, and at the same time, he wants the money from the widow, so it's he's like, oh, do I just kill him, or do I do this? Um, so it goes a little back and forth. It's a pretty interesting story, and from Romero, it's a good ta- it, it, it's a good departure from a normal zombie story. Because you got a guy coming back from the dead, but it's not what you'd expect in a Romero zombie movie. You know, he's not going after brains or anything. I like this one. Um, but again, it's a short story, and I can even see where it had its television influences because it's a little bit on the tame side, to be honest. But more importantly, Tom Atkins is in this as a detective with a mustache. So that's an A+. Of course. Shane, do you remember Two Evil Eyes? No, I don't, actually. Oh, you haven't seen this one? Oh, I, I will... I think I probably did, but again, it was something I probably watched in the 90s, but I don't remember much about it at all. Yeah. There's a couple throwbacks in this. Like, the, you can tell Romero was having some fun when he made this. Like, there's one line where um, where the zombie's coming up, and he's he's going after his, uh, his wife, or his recently, you know, his wife that's still alive or whatever, 
And he's like, he says, they're coming to get, they're coming to get you, Jessica. And I'm like, that's the fucking, obviously they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's having a little bit of fun with it, you know, he's tossing back some, uh, some old school stuff. Adrian Barbeau is awesome in it, as she always is in everything, because, you know, she was in Creepshow, um, and people know her from, like, um, uh, Swamp Thing, and, um... The Fog. Uh, the Fog, and, uh... Pretty much any, any horror movie, she's in it. Yeah, she's, she's a staple of the 80s, um, she's always, she's always fun to have in a movie. So I mean it was a good segment. Um, the the other segment of uh, Two Evil Eyes that uh, that Argento made was a it was kind of a little bit more my speed. What I, what I, what I love in a movie. It's got Harvey Keitel in it. It's it's an adaption of um, Poe's The Black Cat, which is one of my favorite stories of his. And that one has a lot more fun with sort of Poe background. They they use a lot of. Um, different references from different Poe stories uh, to sort of pull it all into the Black Cat story. I don't know. I just really love it, and I fucking love Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel's a man. So, um... That one's... That's more my favorite story in this set. But the uh, the Romero one's still good. It's still worth a watch. And I, I, I don't know. I can see that this was sort of maybe made for TV at the time when he filmed it or something. I mean, despite having Adrienne Barbeau, who was a, you know, a big-name film star. I mean, I don't know how big-name she was, but maybe maybe she was uh, big enough to be, you know, leading motion pictures at the time, and I could see it being a television show. But, yeah, I, got, cool. I really have to revisit it, because I, I watched it, but I think I fell asleep through it. Not because it was boring, it's because that's what I usually do. But I, I really no, have that, to rewatch it. To yeah. Um, and then after that, um, Romero made The Dark Half, which yeah. is a Stephen King adaption, which is, he's he's worked with Stephen King apparently multiple times in the past. I had thought it was only Creepshow, but apparently he also worked with him in Night Riders as he had Stephen King play the greasy redneck. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, The Dark Half. Shane, you've seen this one, right? Yeah, it was a few years back, but um, yeah, the film, it's got Timothy Dutton, is it? Hutton. Tim, yeah, yeah, Tim Hutton in it. He basically he's playing um, plays the uh, writer um, Thad Beaumont, and like right. like um, all Stephen King stories, it stars a writer. Yes, and <laughs> basically he's um, like Stephen King himself. Um, Thad Beaumont has basically uh, been writing as an alter ego called George Stark. And uh, in the book itself, he basically decides to kill off the character George Stark. And um, as a result of this, I mean, in the book itself, because I've read the book uh, multiple times, in the book itself, it's he um, stages a funeral for the character, uh, for the writer George Stark. But um, something happens which essentially brings the character of George Stark to life. And um, he start, he, he essentially becomes a reality, comes into our reality and starts to haunt Thad Beaumont and, um, you know, torture him and all that kind of stuff, you know, devious ways of mental torture, etc., etc. 
And um, it was all because um, Thad Beaumont had, when he was a child, he had a, he had a tumour, which he had removed. And um, it turns out that the tumour itself was actually his twin brother that never developed. Right. So the character of George Stark is essentially his twin brother becoming alive. And um, he starts getting blackmailed by people. And uh, the prime suspect is obviously this George Stark character. Um, and he's going around killing off um, sort of like his opposition and people can get right. involved. Yeah. And, and, the, and the cops are after, um, the, you know, the, the writer, because obviously all the signs point to him. They're like, oh, yeah, fingerprints. And like, you were the only guy yeah. around that saw him and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, he's like, no, it wasn't me. And in, yeah. in the movie, uh, the cop is played by Michael Rooker, who is fucking amazing in this. Um, I love Michael Rooker in pretty much anything. So, yeah, that yeah. he's great in it. Yeah. Also, Robert Joy is in this one as well as Fred Clawson. And if anybody remembers, Robert Joy was also in uh, Land of the Dead, as well right, right, right. as well as the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. He was in the remake of the Hills Have Yeah, Eyes. he played yep. one of the mute. Yeah, he played one of the mutants. Oh, I did not realize that. He's the guy who eats the budgie. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, there's a, and there's another big part of this movie, from what I remember, um, where a lot of it has to do with uh, what is it like the crows or the the fucking the sparrows. The, the, the sparrows, that's what it is. The, yeah, the because the, the tagline for the, the film sparrows. is yeah, the tagline for the film is the sparrows are flying again. Yeah, and that's that's sort of a big part that has um, that has to do with his character that he, he wrote into the book. Yes, and it also has it has to also do with his when he was younger and had this quote unquote tumor removed from him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, the movie, I actually really like this one. This is probably one of Romero's more psychological yeah. films. And, I mean, the only negative I can say about this is that because it wasn't George's own story, I think that's a slight detriment to it. I, I don't know if he just has, I'm not going to say a harder time adapting movies, but be, something that's already been fleshed out and written and, you know, he, I don't feel like he puts enough spin on this one. Um, I th I don't know if he just didn't have as much input on it or because it was already put together and sort of packaged for him, he just, you know, went through and did as much as he could of the Stephen King novel. Um, I, I don't know if this one comes across as uh, one of his more unique or original movies. What do you think, Shane? Do you think um, do you think this one does stand up to the rest of his films? It doesn't stand up to the rest of his films because, well, basically you've said because it is not his story. But yeah. as, a, as a Stephen King story itself, the story is great. I personally think it's great. George did a great job with what he had to work with. And bearing in mind if it would, had been made... Now it would be a lot better visually because mm -hmm. obviously you've got to remember there was a lot of practical effects in that and some of them do look a little bit ropey. Um, 
you know, just looking back on on them, like the character of George Stark when he's he's covered in bandages throughout the most of the film because he's, right, right. his skin is forming and every time Thad does something that's good, it kind of deteriorates George Stark. So um, it is, it's not a bad film. I don't think it's his greatest. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I tend to put this more on the bottom half of George's films just because I don't think it's as original as a lot of the other stuff that he does. That's right. Um, I don't know. It, it doesn't... It, it sort of comes off as this movie could have been made as a made-for-TV movie, as many you know Stephen King stories had been made. Um, like I, I could picture this along the same lines as it, you know, where they do like a two-part sort of fucking uh, miniseries type deal, or uh, or Salem's Lot. You know, I mean, it, it would it would definitely fit in that sort of realm. Agreed. Um, yeah, but um. But yeah, it doesn't blow me away. I mean, what, what do you think, Mike? Have you seen this one? I saw it a few years back, but uh, to me, it really didn't stand out too much. Um, I don't really recall it. Besides the main character, like I look at pictures and it's like, oh yeah, that movie. But I don't really, I can't quote it. I, I don't remember much of it at all. Yeah, I mean, the biggest standout for me was Michael Rooker. Yeah. Um, just because I, I love him in a lot of stuff. He's, he's always good. Uh, as the cop, and he's trying to figure out all this stuff. And I, I love when Michael Rooker, like comes to the realization that he's like, maybe they are two different people. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yep. I don't know. Um, it's fun. And it's, it's a, uh, it's a Stephen King movie. So if you're into Stephen King, you get a little George Romero thrown in there too. It's never a negative in my opinion, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is required watching though. I, I wouldn't say it is. I mean, yeah. it's if you're having like a Romero day and you've seen like everything else he's done, <laughs> then I'd recommend Dark Half. But yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, there's not many Romero things that are bad. No, not I bad, mean, but Survival of the Dead, yes. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> this one, not so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I would check it out. And you know what though, when you look at the world of Stephen King movies. There's so many bad ones when you've got like the Langoliers and um, um, fucking uh, what's that one with Ron Perlman? Uh, and there's a town and he's a sheriff. Uh, fuck. What? What are you thinking of? No, there's a one where Ron Perlman's a sheriff and he's a, he's evil and there's a a mine that people got exploded in or something. Uh, desperate something. Desperate Housewives? That's it. Hellboy. Hellboy, that's the one I was thinking of. No, it's fucking Desperate something. Why can't I think of it? Desperation? Oh, fuck. Yeah, maybe that's it. Desperation. That might be it. Yeah, that was a Stephen King story. Yeah, it sucked. Don't watch that movie. (laughs) Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, there's, there's bad Stephen King things out there. This is not nearly the worst or anything like that. This is, it's... It's okay. It's fine. Like, yeah, watch it. It's fine. When was don't it made? Because I, I don't see desperation on Ron Perlman's. Uh... Are you serious? Am I thinking of someone else? Well, when was it? When was it made? You know? I don't know. Was it new or not? Was it new or old? Relatively new. 
2006 TV movie uh, directed by Mick Garris. Fucking. Oh, yeah. Okay, there it is. Yeah. Desperation. Got yeah, 5.3. I don't know, man. <laughs> I've watched it. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Langoliers, though. Darn. That's worse. About... Okay, that's that's way worse. Desperation's Guys. better than Langoliers. I would Guys, rather. I'm... I would rather impale myself than watch the Langoliers again. Who's that guy in Langoliers? He was the funny uh, foreign guy in that one TV show. Step by step. It was it step by step? Falky? <laughs> yeah, Falky in it? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't step by step. What was the other um, show? <laughs> uh, Perfect Strangers. <laughs> it's um, the fuck he was in Beverly Hills Cop. Um, Bronson <laughs> Pinchot. Bronson Pinchot. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean. Langoliers is, is okay. America Werewolf in London has its practical effects. Langoliers is a staple for CGI. Yeah, right. That's like a standout CGI movie. Yep. Garbage. All right, fellas. Let's. Uh, we're gonna move on to one of our final, actually the final non-zombie movie Yay. of Romero's Romero's run, and that's 2000's Bruiser. And I know our good buddy, Matt Blazy would love to be talking about this now. Yes. And hey, I'd love to talk with him about it. Yeah, see, if Matt was on, this podcast would be three times as long and I would be fast I know. asleep. <laughs> I know. I mean, Matt's, awesome. Matt's an awesome guy, but that guy can talk Romero into the next decade. I know, and no he knows. Problem. He knows. Yeah. Like, the he movies we that. haven't seen, he'd be like, oh, let me tell you all about those and how they yeah. came to be, and let me tell you about the uh, director of photography that it was on those ones. Yeah. No, Matt has got some awesome stories. He really has, and uh, yeah. obviously, we wanted to get him on here tonight, but with everything, the news of George, it's, it's, it's impossible. It would have been impossible to get him on, because the, yeah. the poor guy would have been a wreck. So I think a lot of people around, around the world are in a bit of emotional turmoil over George. I mean, because... Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, George Romero has... He's affected people in so many ways. And I can understand how Matt feels as well, because obviously I went through the same shit when David Bowie passed away last year. So... Um, I think, um, yeah, definitely give Matt a shout out, you know, stay cool, man. We're all there. Yeah. If you want a taste of Matt's fandom, check out, uh, our, uh, our Romero zombies episode we did with, uh, with Matt coming in, um, giving all of his insights to all of them. Uh, and, and, and he's, he's definitely the biggest Romero fan I've ever met in my life. Yeah, yeah. And Matt basically took over the podcast for like three and a half hours that's right. <laughs> yeah, I sat. I I remember sitting there listening to the stories, and Ryan was bitching and moaning at me because you didn't tell me he could. He knew this much, and I was like, "You didn't ask." <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, "Oh, my buddy Matt knows some Romero stuff." I'm like, "Okay, yeah. well, whatever, bring him on." I'm like, "Oh my god," I'm like, "I'm like lost in a sea of Romero." Yeah, he. Uh, I, no, he's awesome. He, I, but I, I I do know he's a big fan of Bruiser, uh, as am I, and. Um, I feel like he would appreciate a little bruiser discussion, or at least a little bruiser appreciation. Yeah, see, I've, um, I've not seen this film. but um, So you haven't seen this one? No. I, I haven't, haven't seen it either. Oh, no. All right. Well, let me give you guys just a little bit of taste on this one. 
So Bruiser is in, I mean, I don't know this to be a fact. I'm I'm sure somebody would like Matt would know a little better, but this movie feels to me like a super personal movie. Like it's something that, um, meant something to like George because unlike a lot of his other movies that have a lot of social implications or social commentaries going on in it, this one is very personal. It's about like how, um, we show ourselves to the world and how we actually are inside. So like the, the sort of overall story in Bruiser is there's this guy, um, Henry played by Jason Fleming who works at a magazine and he's trying to live sort of like the, um, I guess you could say like the American psycho lifestyle of like Patrick Bateman. Like he wants to have, you know, the posh house and like all the money and the hot girlfriend and the cars and all that stuff, but he hasn't gotten there and he's been working for years and he's like just eating shit day after day, going into his job, putting up with an asshole boss Coming home, he's got his trophy girlfriend that he really loves, but she's like, fuck you, what have you done for me lately? Um, his buddies are all dickheads, and but he puts up with them because he thinks they can make him money, and he thinks he can like get somewhere in life. And it sort of all finally comes to a head um, when like he has a casting done of his face to make a mask for a masquerade ball. And he's constantly having these, like, um, uh, these hallucinations where, like, for instance, he's waiting in line to get onto a train at a, at, at a train station and some woman cuts in front of him. So he immediately has a hallucination of tackling her, rolling on the ground, punching this old lady in the face of a bunch of times and then sticking her heads on, sticking her head under the moving train wheels and like <laughs> squashing her head. And then he, like, snaps out of it, and he's like, oh, it was, you know, just a daydream. Um, So he has a few of those throughout the day. And then uh, one day, he goes to this, like, party, and he sees his girlfriend jerking his boss off at the party. And he's like, what the fuck? And he fucking, like, snaps. She leaves him, calls him a piece of shit that he can't, like, satisfy her or whatever. And uh, the next day he wakes up and he goes through his same, just like American Psycho, he's got like a morning routine. And I think this this movie actually came out before American Psycho. So like, I don't know, you guys know in that movie, like when um, Patrick Bateman wakes up and he's like, okay, I wake up, I take a shower, I put on this like special lotion, I do like 200 sit-ups. It shows this guy doing that exact same thing. Like he goes through the same processes and... um, he wakes up and he wipes away the uh, the thing on the mirror, but like the the mask he had made is now stuck on his face. So his face is now just this white mask, and he can't take it off. It's like part of his face, and it's one of those things you're like, okay, is this actually real or is this just him hallucinating or whatever? So for basically the rest of the movie, he has this fucking mask stuck on his face, and it sort of enables him to no longer be. I guess you could say the fake person in front of people. He starts treating people how he would like to treat them. Like, he catches his maid robbing for, robbing him. So he, like, he kills her and fucking strangles her and then, like, hides her behind the couch when somebody comes home. And he gets, like, super violent. And 
sort of like Romero tended to do with like bad guys. There's not like a good guy in this movie. Everybody's sort of an asshole. So he goes on this like killing spree with a bunch of people and he gets his revenge on, you know, he's, he, there's this whole big elaborate scheme to get his revenge and not get caught at the same time. And meanwhile, he has this mask on his face and the whole time you're wondering, sort of like Martin, where you're like, is he actually a vampire or is he just a psychotic maniac? In this movie, it's much the same. You're like, is, is like the mask actually stuck onto his face or is he just imagining this and he's a fucking psycho, like not realizing it? Um, it's, it's, it shares a lot with Martin and it shares a lot with like a lot of his movies, like all of his talents put together sort of come into this one, but it's not, this movie isn't well received. And I don't know if it's because it doesn't have the budget. It doesn't have a lot of the great kills or special effects that you'd expect from a Romero movie. Um, but like the filmmaking is excellent. This is his, in my opinion, his most artistic movie where Martin was that like stepping stone that he sort of went out and flexed his muscles with where you get like sort of black and white shots and he's, and he's trying to really put emotions into you. This movie, he's got a lot of artistic shots. Things are set up to look beautiful. Um, and he's and, and the main character wearing this sort of like plastic face over his normal face. Uh, like makes like striking images that like every every scene in this movie could be a screenshot to be like you know a wallpaper or something because everything looks great. So the the movie's sort of chaotic and it's it's not really so much about the exact storyline going in the movie as it is showing what's happening and taking the viewer through the experience. Um, which is a slight departure from, again, Romero's normal storytelling technique. I feel like for the majority of Romero's career, he's sort of like a Spielberg, and then he's great at storytelling, he's great at characters, he's great at, like, doing this sort of flat-out thing that anyone could experience. Um, but most of his movies don't stretch out in the way that a more, I don't know, I'm not going to say artistic, but a more sort of um, artsy director, like somebody like a Stanley Kubrick or a... Um, or an Argento, or somebody like that that likes to that that likes to explore the weird visuals more, or, or like a, a David Lynch. Um, this movie is more like a Romero David Lynch type movie. Like he he gets into his artistic side a little bit more, and I really like it. Uh, I think it's criminally underrated. I feel nobody pays attention to this movie. It's got fucking Peter Stormare in it as the biggest asshole Peter Stormare has ever played. And I feel like that's got to be saying something because he plays an asshole in every movie. Uh, but this is the greasiest, the worst, the most Russian. This is fucking Peter Stormare at his greatest. And um, it also has, as any great movie would, Tom Atkins playing a detective with a mustache. A plus. So. And you hyped that up quite a bit. Now I have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm, I know there's going to be people out there that don't like this movie because I know there's a lot of people that don't prefer visual storytelling. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like... I don't know. I'm trying to think of a movie that would sort of go along with this. It, it, it's not about the story. It's about the experience you have watching this story. It's kind of a hard way to describe it, but that's really how this movie feels to me. Sort of like Suspiria. 
Suspiria, I'm not even really sure what the story's going on in Suspiria, and I've watched it like a dozen times, but like watching the movie is an experience in itself. I'd and say I the same like thing movie... about The Witch. I So I kind of know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I could go along with The Witch on that. Uh, totally different styles, though. Um, this one's more, you know, this, this movie is filmed in 2000, but it honestly, it, it, pr- it probably should have been made in the late 80s in terms of uh, the storytelling they're doing. Like, you know how American Psycho took place in like 85, 86, somewhere around there? Like, this movie should have taken place in that same time period. Had he you. had the budget. Had he had the budget, I imagine he probably would have. Because it, it's that, like, greasy, you know, like, New York slicked back hair. Like, everyone's a real dickbag. Um, it, it would really fit in that sort of time period of the movie. Taking place in 2000, and you could tell, due to budget, I think it was probably filmed in, like, Vancouver. Um... It, it has its negatives, but it does have probably the most prominent appearance of the Misfits in any movie. And by the Misfits, I do mean the punk band. Um, they have like two full songs in the movie, <laughs> which is nuts for a George Romero movie. You're like, yeah. It's... And, and if you get the DVD, there's like, I think there's two or three music videos they made from this. But it is, it is 2000s Misfits. Don't expect any Danzig. You know, you're talking whoever was in the band at that time. But it's good. Excellent, it's, excellent. Uh, it's a good movie. I really recommend it. And again, I don't know if this was um, a real personal movie for George, but it feels like it. Like watching it, it feels like George is trying to say something about um, how everybody like puts this weird mask on for like society, and only until you, uh, you know remove the mask or use the mask to your advantage does it really become something that um that changes you i don't know i like it uh i recommend it i feel no one talks about this movie it's horribly underrated it's one of his best and um i don't know where you can find it uh the only dvd i have of it is as a bonus dvd that came with another fucking dvd so what <laughs> It, I know, it's so weird. Let me see if it's actually, let me see if it's on there. Didn't Matt say he bought it um, from Germany or something? He said he had a weird German version. You know what, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon for 10 bucks, which is worth it, in my opinion. Or you could buy it used for $1.59. Come on, you cheap (laughs) bastards. Or if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it right now. There you go. Definitely worth a watch. Uh, I like it. It's weird, and there's a ton of nudity in it, so at least you get that if you don't want to get into any of the other stuff I talked about. There's oh, a lot of boobs. Oh, it's a, it is um, a British release as well. Um, I can get it Amazon Prime for £12.67, or I can buy it used for £10.86. That's a little pricey. I'm surprised. Yeah. But, Yeah. Get it. Go check it out. It is awesome. Um, and then after Bruiser, I mean, we got the rest of the Dead series, Land, Diary, and Survival. Uh, do you guys want to wrap up any of those or anything you want to say about those nah, ones? I, we've already spoken about those. I think um, I think that will do us. <laughs> Land and Survival sucks. And... I don't know, Mike. I'm telling you. Go back and watch them again. 
I've uh, seen Land, Land a few times. I, I okay. I, I'm good with that. But maybe Survival and Diary. I'll probably take your advice on Diary because I I do remember liking that the most out of the like this later trilogy. But maybe I'll go back and watch that and see what's up with it. But I don't know. Land of the Dead is kind of besides like Nick Frost and Simon Pegg being in it, or not. No, that's uh, funny. Simon Pegg yeah, and for- Edgar Wright. But, yeah, I was gonna say yeah, Nick Frost just, wasn't in that. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's like my favorite part. I hate that uh, the character who uh, is in um, uh, what we talked about earlier, Hills of Eyes, uh, the remake. Oh, what, his Robert Joy. Yeah, his character yeah. is terrible. I, I can't stand that character. Oh, the guy, the guy that licks the gun. Yeah, yeah. To, to make a shot. He doesn't lick it. He just licks his finger, doesn't he? And then just moistens the barrel or the whatever. Or it looks like he yeah. moistens like the 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 place to aim it. Yeah, and I'm just that like makes no sense. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I guess it's because he's only got one eye and he needs the glisten. Maybe I don't know. He wants it to be moist. That's true. Yeah, we all do. We all there's some good. There, there are really good parts to land. Like Shane had mentioned, when they're coming out of the water, I actually really like the part too, where there's the um, the kid that's supposed to be the lookout who's got like the skateboard or whatever. Yeah, and uh, and he and he's in that um, that little hut, and he gets fucking just eviscerated. That part's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, because he's sitting there talking to the rat and smoking a joint, isn't he? And uh, yeah, he's he's kind of fucked. <laughs> I feel like how it's like kind of like a continuation in a way to uh, to uh, Day of the Dead. How you know they, he yeah, experiments yeah. more on them like learning and stuff. I do appreciate that, and that's that's very cool. Anybody who says that like they don't like Land because they're learning has to really go back because he put it in his previous films. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the only like like we had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the only sort of. Um, I guess continuity breaker is the very first zombie using a fucking rock to like try to smash windows and already using weapons. Like, yeah, I guess it would make more sense if he didn't do that. Right. Yeah. But, um, but it, it all, it all fits together. It's, it's all pretty good. I do like that part. And I'm not a huge fan of the reboot aspect of diary. No, I'm not either. You know, it's all just sort of tossed away and oh no, it's, now it's starting again, but it's starting in, you know, I thought it was pretty useless that the way they connected Diary and Survival. Well, it, that that is the only direct sequel that Romero's involved in, as far as I know. But those three films are connected in a way because they've all got the same character. Brubecker, the, um, the army guy. He's in Land? I don't remember he's him in, in Land. Yeah, he's in Land. He's at the beginning. He's, he's in Fiddler's Green. Because he's the oh, guy, fuck. he's he's the guy who gets um, turned into a zombie, and when Simon Baker and the crew go in to go and get Dead Reckoning, and they oh, find right. they yeah, find but all how the does corpses. That make any, how does that make any sense? Does that mean that Diary and Survival are prequels? Yeah, it, it could be that way. It could. I think it could be that way. Oh my God, Shane, you've just <laughs> changed everything. <laughs> now I love him. so yeah i would say diary would be the first and then survival would be the second and then land would be the final land is still the last one huh yeah (laughs) yeah i kind of like land as a send-off um yeah for the other for the other dead movies you know what i mean i mean like you know night dawn day and then land i sort of like that as the that's the ender and 
because I saw Land in the theaters when it came out, and likewise, I, not not that I absolutely loved the ending, but I loved that it was way more final than all the other Romero movies had been. Yeah, I mean zombie movies up to that point. It was like, no, this is an ending. They're leaving. They're headed to Canada, and you're like, oh, that's pretty fucking cool. Where in, in the other ones, like even in Dawn, you're like, oh, we're leaving a helicopter. You're like, you're not going to fucking make it. There's no way you can make it down yeah. that far. And same thing in Day, same exact thing. So. But yeah, I mean, I for me, Land is, I I do I do love that film. I do love Land. I think it's, uh, I definitely do have a good, I have a soft spot for that. Stephen and King it's not, is in uh, Diary of the Dead. Yeah. What? Where? Stephen King, Guillermo del Toro, and Wes Craven are all, all have uncredited uh, voices. Oh, voices! Yeah. Come on. Hey, but he's still in it. Yeah, Simon, Simon Pegg has Simon one. Simon Pegg yeah. too, and Tarantino. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so it's the best. Damn it, Quentin! What did you do? He did yeah, do the. All... Uh, oh, what's that one movie? It's the Pat movie. So. Tarantino was in Pat. No, Pat? He, he wrote the script. From what I understand, he wrote the script, but didn't take any Get credit. Get the for. fuck out of here! <laughs> That's why she was you... in uh, Pulp Fiction. No, I knew he was friends with her. I thought that's all it was—was was he was friends with her. It's much more than that. Julia Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Yes, you're learning. They were fuck buddies. I, I would not. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, Tarantino's a man who likes his varying tastes. I just watched um, *Hateful Eight again, uh, probably like two weeks ago. That was fucking awesome again. Oh, so good. I, I still need to watch that. Oh, it's great. It is. It is great. Uh, you know what though? Uh, I think I still prefer *Django* to *Hateful Eight. Django. But, yeah. But. Only because um, Sam Jackson's a better is a better character in Django. He's a fucking evil bastard in that. Oh, it, it, he is the most evil motherfucker in the world, and and he's good in um, in Hateful Eight, but he's got a little bit too much jewels in him, if you know what I mean. He's got a little bit too much Samuel L. Jackson in him because I'm sick of seeing him in fucking everything. No. And Durant, there's never, sorry. there's never enough same Jackson. He isn't, in he isn't everything. Come on. Yes, more. No, no. Yes, I do not want to see him in a Kong movie. I don't want to see him in yes the Blob remake. No, I don't want to see him. I want him in all those, and I want yeah. Kurt Russell also in all oh, okay, those. Okay, okay. With a mustache. If, if Kurt Russell, <laughs> if you're listening to this, if you ever need a body part, I will donate it. <laughs> I will give my Any of left them. and right ball to Kurt Russell. That's true. But it's, it's true. I've seen him do it. But Samuel L. Jackson. No. Come on, man. No. I've he's said, good for an. He's good for a nut. You could give him one nut. I'm not giving I, him any of my nuts. I have seen a completely different side to you guys tonight. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. <laughs> But Romero's, you know, yeah, great movies. So, yeah, we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, um, Georgie basically. boys got, did a great job. Um, 
Um, again, I mean, I sort of fucking gushed for most of this episode. Uh, I do love almost all of his movies. Yeah, the last two were pretty much shit, but everything else is fucking has something positive and something fun. They're all a good watch. I think basically what I can say, and I speak for every fan of George Romero. Oh, thank you, Shane. Speak for every one of us. Yeah, I will. (laughs) I'm going to. I think uh, George Romero is going to be one of those writers and directors who will be sadly missed. And I don't think, I don't think the film industry will be the same without him. No, I think you're right. I I think um, every modern day uh, director and writer um, owes it to George. Yeah. George, Um, George is the godfather of the zombie genre as we know it. And, like we said earlier in the podcast, if it wasn't for George Romero, there would be no Walking Dead, there would be no Dead Set, there would be no Fast Zombies or anything like that. You know, they they all take their cues from George Romero, and nothing will ever, no one will ever match his ability to create a film like he did. Yeah. So anybody listening to this and disagrees, go fuck yourselves because we right. said, yeah, we have it right. We know it right. We know it makes sense. Yeah, I think we could all agree on that. Mike, any final words about George? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I met him. He was a great person. One of those people that you could watch a movie, find it amazing, and then meet the person, and he's also amazing. And it's pretty yeah. rare to experience nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I'm going to miss him. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, sure, I was disappointed in his last two movies, but um, uh, I think he still had stories to tell. I think he still had talent to give to make films that are enjoyed by, you know, millions. And I think if, uh, if I can say one thing to the fans out there, if you're a fan of George or maybe, you know, maybe you've only seen night day and dawn. Um, check out George's other movies because they're absolutely worth watching. He is a great filmmaker and he has a ton of talent. And he, he knows how to work with great actors and he brings people back. And, um, it's fun to see the ties between movies. When you start like really getting into George's movies, you know, you can see where he puts little, little kickbacks to previous films that he had done in the past or or he just you can tell the crews have a lot of fun when he makes some of his earlier movies and stuff um i think it's worth checking out his things that that aren't necessarily zombie movies but his zombie movies are what he's known for and there's no denying that and he is the creator of the modern day zombie without a doubt definitely um yeah he is the godfather of the zombie genre yeah absolutely so with that, I think we're going to leave everyone. Uh, if you want some free George Romero movies, again, send an email to uhmpod at gmail.com uh, with your, uh, your subject matter uh, Romero DVDs and let me know what your favorite George Romero movie is. And we'll select a winner, and that winner will get three free movies, which are all awesome. Three of his best, without a doubt. So uh, with that, I mean, you can uh, you can catch me um, on Twitter at Ryan Tudelo. 
Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find us at the UHM Fans Group. All three of us are on there pretty frequently. And uh, Shane? Yeah, you can also find me on, on Twitter, um, at Dead Cell Society. Um, I'm also on the Facebook forum, um, actual UHM upcoming horror movie site. And you can also find me on Instagram, uh, Dead Cell Society 74. Hey, Mike, any contacts? <laughs> uh, I'm on the Facebook group. Uh, maybe I will make a Twitter or something. Because you guys always make me feel like garbage. You guys have all Whoa. these contacted sites. You know what? I should, I should make you run a uh, all-you-need-is-blood Twitter. I think that's what I should do. <laughs> I don't know how that well would work out, but yeah, maybe that's not a good idea. Now that I think about it. <laughs> and another say... thing about this topic that has nothing to do with anything. Uh, but I'm on the Facebook. <laughs> Let me tell group. you why Stone Sour sucks. <laughs> I thought <laughs> Stone Sour, and these are the three reasons why. Um, I'm on the Facebook group. Uh, yeah, I got an Instagram, but I don't post anything really horror related. Yeah, you do. Do I? Well, well, no, not really horror related, but you posted some <laughs> album sleeves up there the other day. What the yeah, I post like the vinyl I buy. Yeah, well, you post vinyl, so you post something. Uh, oh, I forgot. Shit, I just got a vinyl in the mail, guys. I meant to get? bring it up, and I just fucking remembered. It's the soundtrack to Pieces. Oh, yeah, I saw you post that. Yeah, I don't. Awesome. I still don't have, I don't oh, have a record yeah. player, so I still can't listen to it, but. It is cool looking. <laughs> well, if anyone wants to, I have 123 followers on my Instagram. And if anybody wants to follow me for some strange reason, it's uh, my last name, which is on the Facebook group. It's Whittemore spelled with a zero because that's how awesome I am. And wow. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's uh, that's what I do. Oh. All right, fellas. Well, I guess that's about <laughs> it. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to our Romero gushing for over two hours. And I'm not chopping this up, so you're getting one big fucking dump of a podcast dropped on your chest. One load right in the face of Romero. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so I thought I could have put the most. I thought I could have put together the most offensive slang for dropping a podcast, and you just one up me, Mike. <laughs> well, you know. What, looking at all these male nudes being sent to Shane, you know, I could I see a load or two here or there. Yeah, I want to thank everyone for their for their nudes sent to Shane. They got his pod, they got his computer back up and running, as you can hear. Yep. Actually, actually it's a completely different laptop. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's about it for now. Um, and we're gonna catch you guys next time. I think we are finally gonna do our uh, our serial killers episode, and. Um, We'll get that. It will be awesome. Don't worry. I won't cover only good movies. There will also be bad ones. Uh, so until then, we'll see you guys next time. Bye for now. Goodbye. There it is. Bye.